guys, welcome to Minefields. Josh and Michael here. Got my best friend in the world, Mr. Colin. What's up, brother? Ah, dude, I feel great. Um, just feels it feels good to it feels good to cut through a bunch of material. Uh, and what we just found out something very serendipitous about today. I know. And before we get, we'll to, get all to that, the, before we get to all yeah. the good stuff, man, it was one of those things where we like uh, we were chatting for almost forty five minutes. Where we realized we should start recording because the shit like we need to talk about needs to get put on tape or a di- <laughs> digital audio. Put on tape. <laughs> yes. Uh, Morales, our resident BA, is uh, MIA today uh, because he is taking care of some important in, important business. Don't worry, everything's fine. He just mm-hmm. will be returning next week. Um, yes. But him and I, just a brief uh, recap over the weekend, uh, we had a uh, win on the, we're calling it the chase. The chase is the, sorry, the airplanes. I thought it was the hunt. Well, the chase is the regular ass getting our books every week. Oh, okay. I get, I get that. We were on the chase and ended up on the hunt, too. We uh, hit up our regulars, uh, Muse and um, Ed's. Got some serious good mm-hmm. shit. Uh, on the way to Ed's, Mr. Morales gifted me these. And I wanted to wait to show you. It's... it's oh. Let's see if you can see that without the glare. Okay, Batman year... One... Part one. Oh yes, I've read that years ago. Yep. Yeah. Three of the stuff. Three of the four. We went to Ed's, found the missing one. These, yeah. This is a ninety fucking dollar set, man. What? What yeah. did you spend on it? Did you spend that? He he uh, he got like because when he buys stuff in bulk, sometimes some shit comes in extra. So he accidentally bought some extra shit and gifted me the four oh four, four oh three and four oh four Frank Miller. Uh, Super, super yeah. awesome. Uh, Mr. Ed, you know, we really got to stop talking about that store because it is a... <laughs> You're not going <laughs> to. We, we don't want people rating it um, like we are. <laughs> they have 400 copies of Cyforce number one. That's the whole <laughs> store. Yep. Wetworks. <laughs> Profit. Yeah, uh, yeah. They have lots and lots of boxes of free comic book day stuff from time in the past. Yes, do, do not freak with the store. Under no circumstances should you go to any of the boxes, especially the six in the front that Ed has not sorted through. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll look it up real quick, give you a fair price. Uh, he'll make a deal with you. Uh, then uh, we the hunt started when we hit up Escape Velocity uh, mm-hmm. down off of Tejon and Bijou and uh, in downtown, downtown Colorado Springs. They were having a buy one, get one free uh, dealio going on, but they had a bunch of other dealios going on. I walked in and <laughs> immediately saw that they had an overstock, uh, five boxes of overstock. Everything in this box is a dollar. Um, all the Batmans I missed from last year. A uh, couple extra copies of first appearance of uh, Miracle Molly, my absolute new favorite DC character of all time now. Uh, just in the new DC. Okay, I'm <laughs> the new abs- absolutely in love with her. I talked about her last week and about her mm-hmm. having like the best origin story in quite a long time. And uh, those were all the overstocks were all a dollar, and they were all cherry condition. It wasn't like they were beat the fuck up, and like you know they were the ones they just haven't sent the diamond back to hopefully get some of their fucking money back because fuck those guys. And um, well, uh, they were also having the the buy one get one sale. Also corresponded to their sets that they sell. They have a file cabinet full of sets. 
And oh, sick. I love it when they put back issues together like yep, that. Yep, all together. And I had my eye on this for a while. I didn't think they would be so ballsy <laughs> to do this. I'd be doing the weird crap if I was still working at the comic book store, putting weird sets together. Yeah. <laughs> Entirety. She, Way of the Warrior, First Prince. Yeah, yeah, nice. All good. 12. All 12. Look at those. Cherry. Dude, let me ask you this. Okay, that looks good like it is. And you're showing this to me through a camera. Yeah. And it's they're, they're in bags and boards, right? Of course. So do they look as good? Something about putting things in bags and boards just make them pop even more. Oh, yeah. You get that gloss over it. It's like when you see a regular yeah. painting and, uh, you know, put that the, the, the gloss on it, all of a sudden it just pops. Or, like, one of my beefs, the only beef I have with DC right now is that I really wish they would do what McFarlane did. What, somehow he kept the price where it's at. Beefed up the the card stock of the uh, covers. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and then also beefed up the quality of the paper without uh, without making the comic more expensive. Uh, DC Comics come in newsprint, so when you if you read it, that's digi- right. Yeah, if you read it digital, I mean it's not newsprint newsprint like a newspaper, but it's like you know only like two or three steps uh, above it. Uh, but it, it when you read it digital, it just oh my god, this is gorgeous. But then when you see it like in like print. Um, you know, it's, it's got, like, a little bit of a haze to it, which kind of sucks, but, you know... Yeah, it's, it's true. Mm-hmm. It's it's like when you... It's, it's like wearing... Uh, you get some brand-new jeans or something like that, and they're really crisp-looking, and then, like, after six or seven washes, which, you know, you don't have to wash your denim, but uh, yeah. everybody does. It just... Yeah, it's got a weird fuzz. Yep. So even, like, you, we've been talking... You've talked about the long Halloween and stuff like that. My, my, uh, my uh, collected edition of that from years ago... It's just paper. Yeah. It's got that fuzz. Man, I got a, I got really, you know, it's one of those serendipitous moments, use that word again, when mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mr. Matt Price over at Speed and Bullet Norman, when right before New 52 came out, the first New 52, um, mm-hmm. if you subscribed and bought all of the issue number ones of New 52, you, know, you didn't have to subscribe to every single issue, just make sure you got issue one of the 52, of every single okay. one of them. That you'd get a uh, gift, a mystery gift, every every month for the entire year. And the first gift was a absolute edition of the Long Halloween hardbound, you know, when it oh comes in the, in the slipcase. Yeah, he, like, yeah. like uh, Dan was like, oh, let me, go get your, let me go get your gift. And he, he's got this big box. I'm like, what the hell is that? And then he hands it to me, and I'm like, oh, my God. And he's like, yeah. That is a beastly gift right there. Yeah, he handed me $100. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what that is. Yeah, he handed me a hundred bucks, and uh, I just felt so special. And I was like, man, I just can't wait to just keep frequent to the store. I mean, they knew I was gonna they're gonna have my business, but they weren't. They didn't give me a you know like we said earlier. The joke was uh, you know like here's a bunch of you know free comic book day stuff. <laughs> here's a <laughs> yeah. mystery bag. No, um, but yeah, a little paper that was just cherry like museum quality and mm-hmm. um, acid free. I want to say it's acid free, but I barely touched the pages. I was so worried about it. I know it's it's really the hardest thing in the world. I, you know, I had this weird uh, rabbit hole. Like, you know, guys, when I'm getting cleaned up at the, in the morning, I'm usually listening to YouTube content, just people talking. You can't get away from Simon Whistler. Today, I found out Mega Project, Side Project, blah blah blah. I love that stuff. Just nice. give me something that I can listen to for 20 minutes or 30 minutes at a time while I'm, you know, brushing my teeth, shaving, whatever. And uh, 
it's not like I have anybody in my place that I gotta be paying attention to, so I can do that. But like, I was listening to the Nicolas Cage re-upload today, and he was talking about the kinds of money that Nick Cage was spending on comic books uh, before he pretty much went broke in the financial collapse uh, in 2008, and yep. uh, the whole wacky tale of a nearly mint. Uh, what is it? Um, Action uh, Comics number one. Action Comics number one. I was going to say Amazing Fantasy. Do you know, you know yeah. what happened to them, right? He married. They got Lisa... stolen and returned. And... No, he married Lisa Marie Presley and he sold them all. Yeah. He sold them. They didn't get. Uh... I I remember hearing some some semblances of a theft, but I know that Action Comics was in one of the, like a, a large amount that he sold when he married Lisa Marie Presley. Oh my gosh. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Shit, I'm still mourning shit that like I actually left at Holly's house after we broke up, man. Those are like thirty, forty dollar comics. Not a big deal. I'll, uh, I'll get them. I'll get them back eventually. It's not like they like the one I really mourn is my friend Dahmer, number one <laughs> that, that I got for a dollar at, yeah. at a Atomic Pot back in the day uh, in one of their uh, dollar bins. But um, uh, anyway, yeah. so back to the yeah. back to the buy one get one. Um. Of all, all, all the extra sets, because that's the guy, okay, does it, it, the buy one, get ones apply to the sets? He's like, absolutely. Just think of it more like equal or lesser value. And mm-hmm. she, the set, of, the set of she, where the warrior was, $60. I found, and it was so fucking funny, because the, when we were leaving Ed's, there was this kid that was going through all the boxes, and I asked him, what are you looking for? And he's like, man, I'm really looking for uh, First Prince of uh, House of X and Powers of Ten. And, um... And I'm like, dude, you fell asleep on House of X? <laughs> and he's like, I fucked up, dude. And then Tony was like, wait a minute, were those were those those are good? I'm like, dude, you fucked up too? And um Um, alright, so we get in the car, we get to uh so I'm looking through the sets over at Escape Velocity to anything to match it. First print sets, House of X powers of ten. Variant okay. covers, all action figure variant covers. I love the action figure nonsense that's been going on, yeah. Correct. Especially the Star Wars ones. Oh, yeah, me too, me too. Uh, this was in the same vein. By the way, the guy that painted all of those added me on, uh, added us on um, uh, Instagram the other day. Oh, sick. Yep, and he does podcasts, so I'm going to reach out to that gentleman. But um, both those <laughs> Is sets... Is it Joe Caramagna? No, we definitely need to get the guy on <laughs> the show. Um, get that guy on the show. The... Uh, I go up to the counter, I've got a stack of, uh, you know, overstock, and can you do better on she? What do you think? Okay. What are you thinking? And I was like, can you do 50? And the dude that's got some rad tattoos, like, true <laughs> punk rock tattoos, like, the guy, like, I, he just oozes, like, like, don't talk to me about music because I'll destroy you. Um... <laughs> But uh, he was like, you know, he's like, you know, man, yeah, and here's why. And and he's like, and you're thinking you're going to get the House of X, Powers of Ten, as the BOGO. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, here's why I'm doing this. Because I know they're going to good home. I know you guys cherish and love your comic books. Absolutely, I'm going to give you that deal. And uh, we get in the car, and uh, I was like, here you go, brother. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, these are yours. You gave him, him to Tony? Yeah, I gave him to Tony. I already have those fucking comics, man. Yeah. 
Dude. I know you do. Yeah. I was just like, I didn't know if you had another. You wanted another no, set. No, dude, it was serendipity on that one. Number four. It, it, it's kind of weird. Do you have multiples of anything just because you're like, God, I just this this it hurts my heart this is sitting here. Yes. Yeah, we talked about that. Remember the German work. Yeah. The German work. What? Say yeah. That remember, again? remember we were talking about that about how uh, Germans have awesome words for like that mean like complex emotions. Oh. That's right. And, yeah, that was a couple of months ago. Let, let me let me pull up the word that old Sven yeah, sent that to us. How, yeah, that's a huge array of different... Uh, ger- there's a German word for a lot of strange sensations and things that people feel that... And they're individually specific emotions. I guess they are emotions. Like, what does it smell like? Or what, what does it feel like to you when it's the first time you smell rain after an enormously hot summer. Yeah, yeah. Like, or, that's or, a specific thing. Or schoidenfraud, uh, taking taking joy in other people's pain and, and, and misery. Schoidenfraud. Yep. Yeah, of course the Germans know all about that. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, but, um, yeah, I feel like I, I specifically, I have to look it up, but I... Uh, Shit, I got deleted. I got, I got beef with people, and... Um, the uh, I, I found a I found a clip and I'm getting there I'm getting here somewhere on uh, YouTube earlier, where it was mm-hmm. best one liner oh. ever, best one liner ever, and it was a I, I'd seen it before, but it, it was like back in like well, I want to like say the late nineties, when mm-hmm. uh, maybe early two thousands when Monty Python had a reunion, and they yeah. were talking yeah. about how it was a two minute clip about how when the Germans asked them to you know come do a special and like well we hear you guys don't have a a, a uh, <laughs> sense of humor so yeah we'll come help you out with that <laughs> and he's like it's 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 eric uh eric um idol idol and uh-huh. he's like yeah so you know we make the arrangements we land and they promise they're going to take us to all these great you know places you know beauty in germany and they take us immediately to dachau Jeez. <laughs> and we're like okay tell tell everybody who that is or what that is in case they don't know if you don't know just stop listening because fuck you um <laughs> and like yeah it's kind of a either either problem, problem, but joshua you know and i'm not i mean there's um, a lot of people that just don't care to learn history it's a lot correct. of people who can't i'm sorry guys we're talking about a you know we're talking about germans and humor and Giving people a hard time. We're not talking we're shit talking. on Germans. We're not talking shit we on really, Germans. We this, aren't actually. Yeah, we lo- I love the Germans. We're talking about a Nazi death camp through which were processed and murdered and processed. Murdered yeah. thousands, tens of thousands of the Jewish, Jewish people. people. Now, they get there, and, and he, 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 he makes it clear that he's not talking shit on the German people. Like, not at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, they take us immediately back out, and they're closing. And they're, 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 closing. they're, they're closing. You know, they got there a little bit late. It's not an amusement park, but, you know, the, 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 the people that I'm work sure there got to go home. in here because it got closed in 1945. Right. No, no, there it's not that. Graham Chapman, that Graham Chapman leans to the driver and says, tell him we're Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them we're Jewish, and then he's like, "They let us in." <laughs> oh my god! They let us in. Oh my god, that was so funny. Um, and like another random Python clip I found uh, was um, Cleese doing um, John Cleese. Cleese doing Chapman's uh, eulogy, and he's like, "You know, we're the first, 
we're, we're the first people that got away with saying the word shit on television. Really? Yeah. And I would was also... Was English television in, or American English, television? English television. Okay. Um, yeah. I think it was NYPD Blue that got away with doing that on American television. Um, I think you're right. And um, <laughs> he's like... He would never forgive me if I didn't take the chance to be the first one to say fuck at a eulogy. <laughs> so fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was a wonderful celebration. Like that, like they they had all come to terms with it. Like there weren't tons of people crying and they weren't zooming in on. Oh, here's Elton John all yeah. beside himself. But um, but uh, other serendipity when it came to YouTube was Transformers. Oh, yeah. Dude, inexplicably today. I'm I'm sitting down. I'm having lunch. I'm getting ready to go do stuff with my son this afternoon, and um, and I've just got YouTube up. Like I say, I listen to YouTube comments, and I've been the content. I've been looking at stuff lately, and out of nowhere, it's got I'm. Th- you know what it was? It was that I. It was the picture I of that scientist. To, yes, it was the picture of the scientist. Yes, but at the same time, I just wanted to listen listen to Stan Bush's. Uh, you got the touch, the song yeah. from the movie. This is the thing, okay? When I was a kid, when I was in the third grade, and I first remember seeing and hearing anything about Transformers, I lived in Virginia, outside of Washington, D.C., and there were kids in my neighborhood that had Transformers, and then suddenly my brother and I did. It, but, like, the show was on just a little too early for when I was getting home from school, so I was caught the tail end of it. And one day... When I was, I think I was sick at home, I caught the return of Optimus Prime. I didn't go see Transformers the movie. I, I had heard, you heard from other people. Did you go see that movie? I, I did not go see it, but I, uh, my mom and dad rented it for me. Because oh, okay. we, we were living in England, and American cartoons were very difficult to get a hold of. Um, like uh-huh. the, it was really sporadic when they would when they would. And trust me, I was on the ball about when when cartoons were on. It, it was okay. just hard to always cap, c- catch them. And yeah. uh, <clears throat> I mean, I could get home in time to catch Thundercats. Thundercats for whatever reason was my favorite. Was really hard, and and I maybe saw it once a month. And, oh man, yeah, and I, and maybe if uh, we got lucky, and my uncles or aunts would send me a copy of a VHS just filled with American cartoons for me. And, oh, that's um, freaking love right there. Man. Oh, hundred percent. Because you got to go. Yeah, because you you had to actually sit down and like you had to let that play <laughs> while uh-huh. it, while it recorded. But um, yeah, that's um, my mom and dad. I remember them renting it from the shop at, mm-hmm. and I was like, so I knew a little bit about Transformers and. I had I had one Transformer. I had Bumblebee, and I still have him. Are you serious? I still have the bug, oh my gosh. the yellow bug. And um, I remember watching Optimus Prime die and getting really upset because, like, I was not prepared for that. <laughs> and uh, I don't think any kid was. No, no. It, like, it, I mean, like that hit harder than when Duke died. And Duke didn't die because they they learned their lesson by that point. Right, but but even then, you know what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. We're talking about Hasbro, everybody. We're talking about Hasbro. It had the license to be pushing Transformers and GI Joe. They put Transformers the movie out, released it into theaters, did fine, did fine in theaters, 
but also signals anytime you get a movie for something it signals the the eventual end though i will say simpsons and south park are still going strong but they don't have massive massive toy lines attached to them yeah hasbro puts out transformers the movie and in the first like 20 30 minutes of the feature they decide let's get rid of all of our previous guys let's get them all killed in an effort to introduce everybody to the new toys Right. So you got to go out and get those new toys and make money for our company. So they kill Optimus Prime, Megatron, Turns the into, villain, uh... kills his his nemesis, the leader of the good guys. We've never seen evil triumph in such a fashion before. Never, never. And, uh, and then all of these other Autobots, the good guys, got killed by Decepticons, the bad guys, right there in the, in the beginning of the movie, setting up the pace for the rest of the story. I've eventually seen this, and I barely recall it, because for whatever reason, I just can't get through the first, like, ten minutes of the movie. Yeah. I'm never, like, I'm gonna sit down and just do this. Uh, but, um, but, being it, but knowing that it had happened, and it had just crushed so many people, here I, here I was, a kid in the third grade, 1986-ish, I think, and this episode, Return of Optimus Prime, is on, it's being played back-to-back, because it's two episodes, and uh, it's so a it's so crazy that that popped up today and fa- was in both of our feeds and we both watched it. I watched it at lunch and it, I, I saw I, yeah. I saw the scientist and it said Return of I've always wanted to see that. Yeah, and it's and it's honestly by the end of it I was I was as bewildered and amazed by it as I had been initially. For one thing. You, you realize you're watching Hasbro make up for a massive mistake. <laughs> yeah. Everybody still want, has those toys, and they want to play with them, and they don't want to feel like they're dead. Uh, and here's an opportunity to swing them back into the story. The story is essentially that the freaking rage virus from 28 days later inexplicably is found on an asteroid and brought back to Earth, and it's infected all of the, all of the Transformers. And uh, the only thing that anybody can do to think to save the world and all of the galaxy is to reactivate Optimus Prime. And um, he doesn't know what to do. And so he has to get coated in this stuff that gives him this, like, he's totally white. He has no red or blue or silver anymore. And uh, Which was a a big fuck you to the GoBots, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, what was that? Why? Tell me. Tell me why. The, the, The main dude from the GoBots... Was like all light gray F six F one eleven, leader one, leader one. Yeah, he was all gray. Uh huh. Yeah, but they. Uh, yeah, he's got this coating that protects him from the rage virus. He has to go and battle his new uh, replacement in, as the leader of the Autobots and uh, get the Matrix of Power out of his chest. It's Rodimus Prime. The Allspark. Um. Uh no no it's the it's the Matrix of Leadership, hmm. and um. I had a question on that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, this is me as a very, very, like, tangential Transformers. I would not even call myself a Transformers fan. I don't have one iota of Transformers memorabilia in my place. I just have uh, Bumblebee. That's it. Like, it was never, it was never, like, my friends had Optimus Prime, the big one that would unfold and uh, make the... Oh, that's sick. It was, it was, it was cool, But in my opinion, it wasn't shit compared to Thundercats. 
Thundercats was just, yeah, that was my jam. Uh, uh, I knew about it before it came out on TV. That was the difference. I'll just say, that episode A, it blew, uh, let's go back to Transformers, blew my mind because I felt like I was seeing something. And I was like, this is the first time this has ever been on. Like, nobody's seen this. I'm seeing it. None of these other kids at school are going to have seen this. Uh, that oh, I know. felt special to me. Oh, 100%. And this was, this was a right, this was like, this was like transferring a title on a Monday Night Raw. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. something like 100%. that. A major title. You like saw the it. title. I was there. You know, it, and, you're, and you're like, holy crap. Looks like I can't, this is awesome. Holy shit. And they're playing Stan Bush in this episode of Gnarly. the show. Gnarly. It was, it's, it's freaking cool. And by the end of it, you know, Galvatron, the new bad guy. Voiced by and Leonard Nimoy. Was he really? I got, you know, I feel like I've heard that a million times and it never registered because I just don't think about it. No, no, I'm sorry, not Galvatron. Who's the new, who was the uh, the new uh, Decepticon leader? Galvatron. That, that's who, that's who, Galvatron? that's who Megatron turned into, which was the, the okay, extra okay. kick in the pants after he kills Optimus Prime. He turns into, he, well, I don't, I, I don't remember, it might have been before. But he turns into Galvatron. Gal- in there. You're right, because Galvatron, the guy that I'm thinking of, uh, or the guy that I'm thinking of is the bad guy, Planet Eater. It's voiced by, uh, oh, God, what the heck is it? Dude, Citizen Kane. Um, freaking uh, can't believe I can't come up with Orson Welles. Top of my head. Orson Welles, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Citizen, for watching that episode the other day, talking about that. <laughs> so long story, whatever it is, it just blew our minds when we both realized we watched that today. Maybe it just got uploaded, and maybe the algorithm says, you know, hey, you like this stuff. Uh, that could be it. Yeah. But, like, at the same time, and no diss to Transformers. I just never no, got yeah. into it. And like I say, it was a weird time slot. I've had ample opportunities to check it out. You know, no. I've just, I've got, I've always had other things I was way more interested in. I didn't have in. time. Going back and looking at them, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to say that G.I. Joe was any more intelligent than this, but, like, I like G.I. Joe more, and uh, I always loved that they had shared soundtrack scores. Right. Like, the Space Bridge theme is so freaking cool, and they play it in both shows all the time. Um, and uh, yeah, and um, what's the other aspect of it? Yeah, so G.I. Joe, the movie comes out. They can't get theatrical because they know that's going to be expensive. So they're like, they uh, yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah, they split it up into a five part. They really didn't even have to split it up into five part. I think just the episode, the uh, the uh, the beats worked out that way. They did that. And with, they they did that they, with Thundercats. Yes, they did. The Thundercats movie was Thundercats, sick. Thundercats Ho is like what five or four episodes. It's, but yeah, it's five episodes. Because I remember when that came out. Hold on. So GI Joe, they kill Duke, the leader of the Joes, which is ridiculous because he's a top sergeant. He's not even an officer. But um. Nevertheless, you take your freaking orders from your top. But uh, he gets a, a snake to the heart by Serpentor, and saving his, technically, his stepbrother, who is my favorite Joe, because he's so flawed, um, and voiced by Don Johnson, Lieutenant Falcon. Uh, and uh, and then in the end, they have a throwaway bit of dialogue where on the radio, they're like, hey, Duke's gonna make it! And that's like, yeah! And like, because they... That's just one joke. Yeah. You know? But that's heart don't, and soul. Don't do it, guys. And so, uh, yeah, we'll keep it in. We'll do this throwaway dot line at the end of the show. But, like, dude, in the middle of the movie, that raises the stakes big time. 100%. You know? It was a 
huge. He's he's, uh, he's gonna live. Well, in a, illustrated. Now we gotta oh, show. Him. Now we gotta show got him. Blood. He got a snake spear to the heart. He went into a coma. Somehow he survived this. Uh, he's Duke. He's American. He's God Duke. damn it. Yeah. His name is Conrad <laughs> Hauser. He's from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I like GI Joe more now as an adult than I ever did as a child, and that just seems dude, so impossible. I keep saying, like, guys, we've talked about it before. The GI Joe, Mar- the run of Marvel GI Joe comics, it's it is not hit or miss. It is, I'm gonna say, eighty-seven percent amazing. And the parts where it's not amazing, it's like it's uh, it's just like, wait, what? We've really gone sci-fi here for some reason. Uh, you know, way over the top in this, that, or the other. And I'm not talking about just stealing corpses and using their DNA to create a create a, a constitutional monarch. I'm talking about like, oh, we've got you know. Star, 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 star Wars style ATST walkers coming ashore in, you know, Washington D.C. Or in this episode or this issue or something, it's like, you know, yeah, these guys are jacked up on something and they're super soldiers or whatever. I'm, I'm like, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It is a killer book. If you, if you, I mean, if you're in, if you're in Oklahoma City, go to Speeding Bullet. I guarantee they've got. A, a section of the wall that is collected edition of uh, of the Marvel GI Joe comics. Nice. It, you know, like if you can find those, freaking get them. Those they, like that that run is legendary. There's Larry like, Hama rocked it. There's like fifty in the new uh, collection that Ed bought from uh, yeah. some dude the other day that are all under uh, under uh, issue ninety nine. That's yeah, that's a good area because like. I'm going to say, like, there are spotty things in the first ten issues. They're always allowed to grow up, grow up in the dark and try to figure out where, they're, where their footing is. Yeah. Uh, but, like, yeah, because, like, I think, like, issue two or three is a little off, and then it comes back really hard and kicks ass. Uh, issue number one is, like, it should be a feature film of its own. And then... The build-up to the major story pieces, it's okay, we're getting to issue, like, 25. We're going to build up, we're going to do something cool, and then we're going to level up, and then we're going to climb up some more for issue 50. Like, yeah, like, issue 25, 26, that's, like, the origin of Snake Eyes. Issue, around issue 50, that's, like, Cobra Island and 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 the Cobra Civil War. It's just epically awesome. And then maybe I'm a little bit wrong. Maybe it's fifty. They, they, the Joes raid Springfield, wipe the snakes off the map. They all go their separate ways and come back, and they got Cobra Island for the issue seventy-five situation. The, 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 the Cobra Civil War is I, insane. I do have to remind you: the last time we went on a GI Joe tangent, it was three hours of just. Oh, I know, dude. It was just it, we long boxed that years ago. Of just G- we of, did. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. We were talking about Transformers. Yeah. What it amounts to is. Uh, Hasbro realizing they made that mistake, uh, you know, and no, nobody died in uh, in Transformers or in um, nobody died in uh, Thundercats, but uh, no, no one, no one died. Uh, why don't you give us a, a recap of uh, what's going on with your uh, union? Uh, what is the uh, acronym oh, sure. one more time? IATSE, the International Alliance of International uh, Alliance of. <laughs> Studio and theatrical employees, or stage, stage and theatrical employees. 
Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Recap. All right. So I read a, uh, one of the few actual legit articles I've read on CNN in the past like eight years um, mm-hmm. is regardless of what side you're on. Sorry, just it's it's hot here. It's like sixty degrees. You got the window open. Shut the fuck up. Um, the um, CNN had a really good article on IATSE and how uh, the uh, writing guild uh, really made an impact on their that's true. on yeah. their um, their strike that nearly almost ruined. My name is Real, by the way. Still a little salty about that, uh, but yeah, whatever. But I, I, from what that you guys voted unanimously, uh, like what I, I read that it was a ninety percent turnout, which is unprecedented. Uh, to come vote. I've got varying stats. I've got, yeah, I've got uh, one post on that's projected on Facebook, and I feel like I've seen another one. So, of course, you have to take your news where you get it. But, uh, yeah, I see a, uh, I see basically a 90% turnout of voting members and 98% voting yes to strike, which means a couple of things. You guys aren't going to take the way you guys are getting treated. Oh, yeah. We are all going... We are all experiencing very tough work environments. Yeah, like like limited lunch breaks, no weekends. I mean, like... I mean, okay. Let's, let's, Let's define those things. Lunch breaks typically... This, this is what it is. Lunch breaks consist of this. Uh, you're working on... You might be working on a commercial. You might be working on a photo shoot. Usually, uh, but like not on theatrical filming and or movies movies that you're working on that are going to go to go to the, go to theaters and maybe TV and uh, definitely television because you've got a schedule you've really really got to crush. So what is what it is is that like you report to work at whatever time your call time is uh, and you are supposed to stop, take a break six hours after call. You might be in a position where you are coming in hour, hours, 15, 20, 12, or like I say, hour, minutes or hours before crew call. So you might not eat for, you know, you're supposed to get six hours. You're sp- six hours, you're supposed to be able to eat. And the crew is going to stop. It's safer, it's easier, it's more convenient, it's more efficient for the show to provide a meal. They do this for you so that you don't have to go to Brahms or you don't have to go to McDonald's or whatever, Captain D's for crying out loud, Uh, and uh, not get back on time, you know, whatever. Uh, It's not always the case. It it depends on what department you're in. But, like, let's say you're my girlfriend who has to come in and dress a bunch of people at four in the morning and crew call isn't until six. That's two more hours. She's got to, she's getting paid every, like a, a, she's getting paid a meal penalty every 15 minutes that she doesn't get a meal after she starts for six hours. So that, that's variable. You got to figure that out. But what we run into now is that a lot of shows since COVID have decided, well, we got to flip the bill for all this health and safety and all of these all this PPE we have to provide, and then we're taking it from, you know, maybe we're the studio, but maybe we're taking it from this thing that says, you gotta wear this particular type of mask and blah, 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 and testing and how much all of that costs. And 
you know, PCR tests and rapid testing and all this stuff to figure it out. So they're, they're saying we're taking a hell of a hit. So maybe we should just do like walking meals to get through the day faster. Walking meals is this concept that's also known as French hours. I don't know why, exactly why. I guess they do it in France. This idea where you just keep working and keep working and keep working, and then lunch is set. Hey, lunch is available if you can break away and go get it. Some people can. I can't. If I'm the props master, if I'm the on-set dresser, if I'm a set costumer, if I'm in camera department, if, you know, if we're still filming, we can't break away and go eat. Yeah. You know, and they're like, okay, well, you know, we'll just pay the meal penalties. You know how many I, – I did a show in February – do you know how many times I didn't eat lunch for the whole day? And you just go to craft services and grab a snack, and you just keep grabbing a snack when you can get away. Or you just, or, or somebody, hey, could, somebody, where are you going? You going to craft? Could you please grab me a coffee and anything? Will they make a sandwich? Will they help, help me out? They'll do it. You know? and, and it's just like, God, but like, you've got to be able to stop. You have to be able to sit down. Yeah. And just take a freaking minute, man. In the kind of weather we had, in sub-zero temperatures every day, in, like, over 100-degree weather, in this humidity every day on other jobs, for God's sake, let us take a minute. And it's like, this is just this thing. They think, okay, yeah, but we'll just... So my meal penalties are not adding up to what, you know, by the end of the day, by the, I'm still getting meal penalties every 15 minutes? So, so they're paying you extra money... Just for clarity, extra money because you didn't take your yeah. meal, and they were exactly. Is it like the Fight Club thing where they decide that it's it's cheaper and more efficient to? Uh, it is a formula. The formula. Yeah, you know how many of these guys are not going to be able to get away? And then you know you get these other things like if I'm on set and I'm just one guy, I'm my entire representation of my department on set during the day. Because the rest of my department is out there doing stuff. They're trying to get things ready ahead of us, and they're trying to break down where we've been. Right. You know, because it's 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 like it's like time. You know, they're working in the future or in the past, and I'm working in the present where the camera is. And so, like, and if I'm doing props, I mean, like, I barely get to stop and take lunch anyways. It's just it's ridiculous because somebody's gonna we're gonna have a meeting at lunch. Fuck off! I'm eating. You want to have a meeting, let's have a meeting when we get done with lunch. Let's have a meeting and then go to lunch. And yeah. You're still paying me a meal penalty. What am I complaining about? They're still paying me. No, dude, I don't want to get another $7 every 15 minutes. I want to sit the hell down after I've been busting my ass every day, all day, getting it – is, it is – dude, you've seen me so frazzled. You and I have had conversations where I don't even know which way is up. Right, because, because you were that day, fucking I'm, tired. I'm exhausted. And like, yeah, and you have to pace yourself. And I can never understand these kids who are like, oh, blah, blah, I'm going to work, blah, blah, putting up, we're making films, let's go get drunk tonight. And they just rally and come back the next day and then they suck at their jobs. Drives me nuts. So... Okay, so that's a whole thing. Meal penalties. When the meal penalties actually add up to something that is going to hurt their pocketbooks, right? Then maybe they'll take it seriously. Instead of we don't we don't want it. And then so what's worse is let's say it's Monday. We're all coming in at 6 a.m. Awesome. Okay, so we're there at 6 a.m. We should technically be done by 6:30 that night. 
It never happens that way. Okay, uh, but there was a problem. We couldn't get the actor home slash to the hotel on time, so their turnaround is very important because they make so much money. Their turnaround, oh, God, their precious turnaround. Turnaround is the amount of time you get overnight before you're supposed to be back at work. For me, it's 10 hours. I got to drive an hour to work, and then I got to drive an hour home, and I have eight hours. How am I ever actually getting any rest? Because I got to eat when I get home, or I got to get cleaned up because it's a million degrees outside, and I'm just covered in filth. I don't lay down in that stuff overnight, too. And what, what am I going to do? So one way or another, I'm losing no less than an hour, maybe two hours. So you're not seeing your family. You're not having any conversations with your wife or your kids. They're in bed. So you get, so okay, like I say, you started at 6, you might get off at, let's say you get off at 6.30 p.m. There was a problem. The next day, they're like, push all calls this far, this far, whatever, or you work progressively later during the week. To the point where suddenly you're coming in at 4 o'clock p.m. on Friday. We call this a fratter day. I don't call it that. It's a fuck you Friday. Oh, dude. I'm sorry about my language, everybody, but this is, I get animated about this. And this is every show. They're scheduling it like this because, because the, the fourth, I just don't think the forethought is there to well, do it better than this. And what I'm saying is when you come in at 4, 4 p.m. on Friday, you're not going to get home until 6 a.m. on Saturday. So fuck you. What are you going to do? Are you going to stay up? Can you go to the bank? Can you deposit that check? God bless us. We have set, have a direct deposit now. Uh, oh, you better get your time cards in. So you're sitting there in the trailer or back at the office or at home after that full week and you're rattling numbers in your times in your head trying to get your time card uploaded electronically and you should be getting paid to do that so when do you come off the clock and it's like uh you're sitting there trying to figure that out so you're finally going to bed when the sun's coming up on saturday and you you sleep all day and then you have to try to reset because fuck you we got to be someplace at 4 a.m on monday morning Oh Jesus! And I'm not talking that it, it, and it's always it's it's always like so you you got you got you got maybe three quarters of a weekend and most of it you spent resting or sleeping, but how do you fit all of that in if you're doing it on an actual weekend? And I'm saying this, but like you know everything's closed at where I live on a Sunday. So what happens if you're screwed? What happens if you're in a bad way because the director is still asking for stuff? that we didn't talk about in the production meeting, you know, at the beginning of the show. And so you're still having to, oh, well, we got to have somebody that does something. Somebody's got to take care of this problem. Can I hire another person? Do I have to pull money out of my budget to be able to do something? Do, uh, no, i got to work on Sunday. You know, what, well, what can I do? Uh, you know, everything's closed. If it's not Lowe's, Home Depot, Walmart, you know, God help you if you need a bunch of Chick-fil-A. Because that's happened. Yeah, and yeah you're, we you're in line for 45 minutes. Huh? And you're yeah. in line for 45 minutes. Oh, for real. Dude, yeah, I mean, that's what it is, guys. That's We are we are at a point where the, we are fed up with this. We're also saying, like, guys, there's no... The, the living wage... The, the rates we're being paid 
makes sense for some people, but not for everybody. On paper, and while it, it might looks make good. sense for me, yeah, for me it looks it's probably okay, especially in Oklahoma, where I'm starting to see rates go up. My rent just went up, and I can't quantify that. Uh, not for this tiny ass place. And like, but like, there are people in LA who are still making, you know, fifteen dollars an hour doing covered union jobs, and it's like those people need raises. How the hell does anyone get by in LA on fifteen or eighteen dollars an hour? Not you know? at, I, not at like fifteen hundred dollars for a five hundred square foot apartment that precisely. they're never at. That they're never in because they're scrambling to work. And they are, they're scrambling to get to set. They're coming home, they're showering, they're throwing a can of something, or they're eating another thing of Pop-Tarts. Uh, it's like, that, dudes, guys, that's, that's the reality of film work. It mean, doesn't have to be this way. Because on the back end of it, we are still, whatever we're asking for as a unified front is still not coming near to draining the, the expendable uh, uh, spending cash that producers and studios have on the other side of actually developing these products, which are movies and television shows and commercials. They're products. Can this I, is a business. It's, it is an art, but it is a business. Can I play devil's advocate? I'm yeah, not playing, I am not going to play a part that someone I agree with. I'm going to play a part of someone I don't agree with. Okay. Well, this is an art project. If we don't get this done, uh, down, uh, around this time then our main actor has other obligations and also we are in a time crunch and we only have this much money to spend and you guys should be devoted to the art uh like i say it's not an art it's a business and if you want to treat it like an art then you know hire your fucking go, buddies that'll work, work for free. somebody i can go yeah they'll do it they'll they will hire non-union people who are less skilled, don't have basic safety qualifications, scabs. don't have basic... They are. They will be scabs. If, they, if we strike and have to pick at a show, it will be because they have hired non-union people to come in and take our place. They cannot replace us. And they'll do it anyways because they will create... I, there are shows going on, uh, I'm not going to say where or what, but that are creating uncomfortable enough work environments that union members are incapable of continuing in those jobs and they'll hire whoever they want to and say, we hired, we called and we had everybody come in who was qualified in this jurisdiction to come in and do it. Now I can bring in my people from Georgia. Or I can bring my people from L.A. or New York or whatever my precious people are. Right. And I'm like, uh, that's that's inappropriate. Don't – that's just, it's just not, not how it's done. And then they'll lie and say that they went through the entire roster. But we can't – I mean, that's that's not part of the strike. That's just working conditions. Right. Um, when you're saying we should do it for the art – No, guys, I, I, was, I, mean, I was playing devil's No, I know what you're saying. Me. I'm saying – that's this is a business and if you want to do it for the art then why are you holding on to so much goddamn money at the end why don't you just forego your precious uh why, why don't you donate to a college at the end of this thing why don't you take the proceeds for this and um you know what what 
why don't you put this only in art house theaters instead of every cineplex across the United States? Why are you brokering gigantic deals with China to be able to view your shows there? You know, it's just regardless, because you want that, want that huge money. Yeah, you know, I just got, I just needed to shut you up for a second because I'm real scared that the Chinese government's gonna hate our podcast. And next thing you know. We're not. In uh, they're China about to no invade Taiwan, anyways. We'll be in a huge war with them. Um, and, that was a uh, joke. Yeah, yeah, I know. No, awesome. there's a whole. I've been, I've been paying a lot of attention to what's going on over there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're doing, they're doing uh, some real close flybys over on uh, to, to Taiwan. Yeah, it's Taiwan. Let's not get into that right now. No, I don't want to scare anybody. No. Yeah. Let's uh, anyway. let's talk about some good comics, man. We've got a lot. Yeah, to let's do. move on to comics. No, but like, guys, we really appreciate because uh, I, I really love the fact that we're not just two schmoes that are doing a, a podcast about comics and not involved in any sort of good industry whatsoever. You know, we're, I make comics. I'm slowly working on one for the past like ten years. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, Tony and I work in the pro wrestling business, and we know what we're talking about. We know what we're talking about comic books. We, uh, we know what we're talking about movies, and this is something we're really passionate about. And unfortunately, the movie industry has pushed uh, the the working man into a position that it's just not acceptable. I mean, like, I, I don't have a, a labor job. I mean, like, if you bring it down, I'm not denouncing what you do. You've got kind of a labor job. It is technically, I, I think of it as a uh, as a very uh, creative blue collar job. Yeah, that's an even better way to put it. Thank you. I should have asked you to yeah. say it instead of me. That's right. Um, I got a million ways to think about. But at, at, at the same advice. time, though, um, you deserve your weekend. You deserve your paid time off that you can take out without any penalty. That is protected to the point where, if you feel you're being retaliated, that you have uh, taken your paid time off, you can. You can retaliate back. It's it's not right. You can you can stop them from doing that to you. And well, well I can I can, but you you can't. Yeah, we don't get PTO or anything. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not in the cards. And I really hope that what you said uh, yesterday in terms of how the writers strike really put the fear of God in these assholes um, that they're going to know like, hey, we can't do these people. We got to figure this out because if. It's going to stop everything. Netflix productions, um, kind of, kind of. Well, uh, let me let me clarify two or three succinct things without going without like blowing this out. We do need to talk about other material. Oh, please. There, just because we have, just because the the union has voted for a strike, it does not still mean that there will be a strike. It means that we have authorized our. Uh, elected president to call for a strike if we can't get uh, the producers and studios back to the negotiating table. And right now, the last thing I heard, and I could be completely wrong, uh, is that the there are two, okay, there are two agreements that have lapsed. We are overdue for. Like, we try to get these things negotiated before they lapse so we don't run into these circumstances. But the but they walked away from us. They think that we should take a 1% raise instead of a 3% raise, which has been kind of a thing for several, several negotiating cycles. And that means that our friend, they think that these people that are not making a living wage in some of these 
uh, locales should be taking much less of a increase. It's stuff like that. Right. They don't they don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. They walked away from that. They they can look at, hey guys, we're gonna strike. You're gonna lose sixty to ninety thousand crew members, but that's only on shows pertaining to the ASA and basic agreements. The basic agreements only pertain to uh, a, a select group of Hollywood locals, but the a ASA agreement pertains to pretty much nationwide. And um, any show that is working under that agreement would would have to shut down without us. They'll hire film school students. They'll hire people off the street, but they won't get anything made. And the, the camera unions, the Teamster unions, and the Art Directors Guild uh, definitely are on board with us on this. Because they're, they're all hurting, too. Because they have different contracts, but they're still hurting. So they are, we are finding the solidarity that is really inspiring. And the last thing I'm going to say is just because all of those projects under ASA would shut down uh, because of a strike, that doesn't mean that commercials won't still be getting made and certain TV contracts. There are all kinds of other existing contracts that we still qualify as good, which means we can still go to work on those shows. Right. But we're drastically going to reduce the statistical amount of work that we can go do by not reporting to do it until they, they give us what we want or until we're satisfied in some fashion. And uh, they can't continue to make those projects. And, I mean, the lion's share of the money in the film industry, I can't really say. I don't know the statistic off the top of my head, but a giant, idiotic amount of money is theatrical. So there you have it. I mean, a lot of money is made in uh, commercials, but um, theatrical, man, or real. Anyway, I'm prepared to move on. Thank you for letting me no, talk I, about that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're passionate about it, and I, I really wish you guys the best because I know you're looking to get a house. <laughs> you, you're, yeah, you're, it's you're, a great time to try to buy a house in the strike. You're looking to – yeah, exactly. And, you know, that I voted to, for. Yeah, but at the same time that you're sticking up for yourself, and I love the fact that despite the fact that a lot of people will say that we don't live in a free nation, we still have certain – on paper, we can still go forward, depending on whether or not, you know, we're not going to go there, but uh, we still live yeah. there. And, um, but yeah, yeah, we got some great comics to talk about, guys. Uh, I, I, yes. I went on a, I didn't go on a horror spree. I went on a <laughs> accidental horror spree because they just happened to be available. Um, we've got, of the comics that we're reviewing today, we got Soul Plumber number one from DC, hard R, by the way, so make sure you get that. It's not even a black label. Uh, Inferno number one, Bunny Mask number four, Hellraiser, uh, the 2012 IEW series, The Omnibus, Lady Death, Treacherous. Oh, no wonder it's so good. Number one through two. Yep. IEW. Thank you, sir. Exactly. Uh, Something is Killing the Children number 20, Arkham City number one, Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters recap of the first five. Uh, that includes a few different titles like Bounty Hunters, um, uh, Star four. Wars, Darth Vader, Doc Afra, uh, a few yeah. other ones there. Um, Good. I think you've got some stuff in there that I haven't been able to catch, but there's the other. I'm, I'm on the main line material right now. Dark Rock number two. And oh, uh, we already talked about that DC needs some better paper quality. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I do want to start out with Inferno. Um, 
Inferno is an interesting title. I, I really feel like the the title itself is is a misnomer. The reason why is because it when I saw that Inferno was going to happen, I thought it was going to be some sort of return of Madeline Pryor because there has been a return of Madeline Pryor within the pages of X Men, um, uh, explicitly X Force, where um, Madeline Pryor did return and they established a law of no resurrecting clones. Now, there's... Oh, cool. So... Good. The thing, though, is is that their resurrection protocols were secretly, especially one that the rest of the Quiet Council doesn't know, like Nightcrawler, um, Magneto... Let me rephrase that. Magneto definitely knows. It's Xavier and uh, and Magneto know, but the rest, like... um, uh, uh, Mystique, uh, Nightcrawler, like they don't know that there's certain protocols above and beyond that they're allowed to know, even though they're actually like the end all be all about what happens in the governing body on, on Krakoa. Now, so no clones to be resurrected. Okay, fine. Um, Inferno is a throwback to Powers of Ten and House of X. House of House of uh, both those titles started with the revelation that Moira McTaggart is actually secretly a mutant. Not only is she secretly a mutant, really. Not only is she secretly, yeah, it, it, it sounds stupid, but it, it, it gets convoluted, but it's not bad. Um, she has been resurrected nine times, and we're on the tenth version of Moira. They have, what? They have like not in this current. In this current title? They have not explained how she has been resurrected so many times. Constantly, um, if she... The, the, the deal is, though, is that when she, she dies, whether of old age or by get a car crash or something like that, mm-hmm. um, she is resurrected, and at a certain age, all of a sudden, all of her memories return to her. They have not explained the cyclical nature of how this has happened. The best way I can... I, I have been able to ascertain is that we are living in a cyclical like uh, I don't I don't want to say like sixth iteration of the matrix something like that without but you know like you know it's going to happen again like yes things are predetermined except for certain things and well in the second version of herself she has uh, Inferno starts off with the fact that it's it's we flash back in time to the second version of herself where her and her uh, scientific team have discovered the cure for being a mutant. The full-on cure. What? While this is... Uh-huh. They're about to drink the <laughs> champagne, and, you know, uh, rather than they all drink it and they all collapse and die, um, Mystique and uh, Destiny show up. Mm-hmm. Kill everyone in the room and incapacitate Moira and say, okay, what you're doing is wrong and we know what you are. Not only that, but... You are you have eleven lives at best. Keep in mind, Moira's on ten right now in present day. Not only that, but if you continue this path, I know how to kill you. And that's when they had Moira's attention. You know, how I can die. Yes, uh-huh. if you die before your memory, she knew she was like, I can die. Like I, oh, yeah, you're telling me like, I can die. Yeah, she knows that what what her power is. And Destiny tells her, you know, I'm, you know, uh, she she's a, uh, a mutant soothsayer, but you know, a, a future. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I remember she's early X Men. So, 
I know how you can die. If you die before you gain your memories back, you're done. And I'm telling mm-hmm. you, you have 10 or 11 at best. Now, if you don't continue to help the mutants or continue this path of trying to stop it, well, she's like, I wasn't trying to stop it. Some people just don't want it. She's like, yeah, I get it. But if you do this again, I'm going to show up every fucking time and I'll make goddamn sure you're done. Because I'll see it. <laughs> and then prove my point. Pyro, do you mind? And Pyro, which uh, now is a good guy. He's I haven't got seen this, anything from him in a long time. He's been back since since House of X. Uh, okay. One or two. He's a good guy now. And uh, he's got this skull tattooed on his face. But he's missing the skull. And do the honors. And she's like, I'm going to kill you now. But I'm going to make goddamn sure you remember it. And Pyro sets her on fire. They, 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 they basically. How is he a good guy then? No, this is this is this is this is in the second iteration of Moira. Oh, okay. All right, gotcha, gotcha. They set her on fire, and there's a grisly scene of Moira on fire. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then we we flash back. Now, if you've been reading anything uh, as diligently as me, you know that um, there is uh, Orchid. The the uh, an orbiting star base very close to the sun. Not orbiting the sun, but like within... Orchid? It's yeah. not star core? No. Uh, this is different. Um, and it doesn't have anything to do with Peter Corvo? No, no. Okay, because that's very Chris Claremont, and I'm trying to... I'm seeing the they, re- they, the... they reference it, but it has nothing to do with Corvo. Oh, cool. All right. So, uh, at the beginning of Powers of X and House of Ten, or... Well, I, I got it mixed up. Um... Every time Moira dies until she gets to 10 is her trying everything she can with that new universe or, or new iteration, like Matrix version 4. Mm-hmm. Like, um, she's doing everything she can to work with the mutants to avoid a unavoidable situation that Nimrod is going to show up and eventually completely obliterate mutants from the planet, from the universe. Now... That's how Krakoa was founded, was trying to find out how to stop this. But we, like, after that issue, like, those issues ended, we haven't seen Moira at all. In fact, it was one of those things that was really bothersome. Like, wow, this seems like a really, like, nothing is going to go right. And then they, they go into everything, like, you know, uh, you know, Exo Swords, and, like, everything is really cool. Like, there's all mm-hmm. these great stories that have happened since then, thanks to Jonathan Hickman, who was head of X. And... You know, they gave us this false sense of security, and all of a sudden, Inferno, which maybe, you know, they're going to bring back Madeline Pryor or something like that, you know, or do, like, like they did with Necrotia, she's back. No, it's it's about the fact that the, the scientists on the uh, Orchid uh, orbiting sun of, I mean, like, they're, they're, they're close. I mean, it's not like they're a thousand miles from it. Like, I mean, they're, like, they figured out a way to, like, be as close as possible. And the mutants mm-hmm. are figuring constant different ways to show up and try to stop the... A sentient Nimrod that's not just sentient, but has a human soul inside of it. Uh, about eight months ago, uh, maybe six, Mystique shows up, fails her mission, while the the last time that they tried to stop Nimrod from being uh, created, the guy trying to create Nimrod uh, was um, mortally wounded, and the scientists figured out how to trap his soul, like, digitally, and put it into the Nimrod they were making. Well... As this new Nimrod was being uh, activated, 
like his wife is there. Is it you, honey? It's me. Mystique shows up. The disguise is one of them. Um, they recognize it fairly quickly. A battle ensues in order to stop the destruction of Orchid. Uh, the the genuine soul inside of the new Nimrod has to save the day, but in the process, it's going to erase him. Oh, all right. And mm-hmm. so it it it's a self fulfilling prophecy. So in, Inferno starts, and they're like, like they keep coming, and like yeah, why, why, what is here? What is so important about this? And they show all these, like, like maybe ten different vats of acid that are boiling adamantium skeletons of Wolverine that keep showing up because they keep sending Wolverine. And um, but they've got yeah. they've got ten different iterations of it. And uh, what do we not know? Then we get to uh, where they've been hiding Mora. Like she's she's got like a secret like underground base inside of a uh, uh, underground of of, of Krakoa. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to like, booger out the, the time space here. This is something really important that I really wanted our listeners to understand if they've been trying to understand what's going on. Um, if, if they're following, which I'm sure they are, um, because this is really convoluted. I did a lot of research on this just to make sure I was able to say it correctly. So, uh, Moira is basically accosted by Xavier and the Magneto. Why are you here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we keep failing at this. And she's like, yeah, this is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, things are going wrong. Like... I don't know what to do. Well, we saw you left and went to, like, Paris or something like that. And she's like, how the hell do you know that? And, well... He's the uh, foremost, you know, psychic in the world and all. Yeah, well, she, she she's like, well... Magneto's like, well... We... The first meeting of the uh, Quiet Council, it was in your tea. Did you feel really weird, like, kind of sting on your shoulder? And she's like, you son of a bitch. Like, the, we, we were supposed to trust each other. I'm like, oh, we trust you. I'm like, no, you don't. The whole thing here. And, well, things aren't working. We're constantly failing at stopping Orchid from, like, the Nimrod already exists. And she's like, okay, here's what has to happen. Number one, flashback to Mystique showing up and her... Her showing up and trying to stop Nimrod is what deleted the sentient being inside of the Nimrod, but, uh, well, the, the soul, which kicked mm-hmm. things really into gear. The only reason she did it was because she was promised that if she succeeded in this mission that they would resurrect Destiny. What she didn't know was they had no intentions of ever resurrecting Destiny because uh, at that moment, I'm not sure if this happened before or after, um, or, or present time, like right now, in the latest issue, is when Moira's like, here's what has to happen. Any uh, mutants that can tell the future can never be resurrected. In fact, they have to be erased. All instances of destiny have to be deleted. We're talking, you need to get, you need to make sure that Sinister has no, no backups of her DNA. We need to make sure any Cerebro backups are deleted. Under no circumstances can she be resurrected. And two, you have to remove Mystique from the Quiet Council. Okay, fine. They, they, there's a quiet coup. Like, who, hey, maybe someone here wants to leave. Hey, Mystique, you, you like this? Nah, not really. Uh, <laughs> not really. All right, cool. Uh, in a uh, previous issue of Wolverine, uh, one of his baddies that was part of uh, Arakau that was made of adamantium, um, long story short, 
Wolverine finishes the 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 uh, the caper, gets what he needs, but finds out this guy is hiding out in Krakoa the whole time. Not only is he hiding in Krakoa, but he has a secret place in Krakoa where he has uh, the uh, the 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 eggs and a, a stolen oh, yeah. cer- and a stolen cerebro, which just happens to be there. Well, they didn't mention it, but they cerebros are there. But they showed it. The, there's at least three that I know of, not including the cerebro mm-hmm. sword. Um, they just show it, and then so he says, "Yeah, I don't care. I'll, I'll leave." Oh, by the way, I gotta introduce someone real quick. Um, in comes Destiny. In comes Destiny. Um, we're on the cusp yeah. of mutant civil. Not I don't. I don't even want to say civil war here. I, we're talking the fact that the the biggest secret of like imagine that like your 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 Eden was founded on lies by the one person you trusted and it's so heartbreaking because it's Xavier. Not mm-hmm. just Xavier, but like in cahoots with Magneto, with no qualms about who they kill and who they have to like not resurrect or how hip- hypocritical they are, or the fact that 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 the that mutantdom is experiencing no absolute repercussions for the fact that they are playing with death. Yeah, totally, totally. Now this uh, has been going on a long time. Yes, I don't know. You know, I mean, like the best thing they ever did was make Cyclops kind of the bad guy for a while, and when you make. Uh, Reed Richards, kind of the bad guy for a while and stuff not, like not that. Not even the I mean, bad guy, the, the guy that makes the hard decisions. Yeah, but but, well, yeah, but I dig not that, like but, not uh, like what Xavier Reader needs doing. to be the guy that everybody hates and can't trust for a while. I agree, and that's a legit direction. That's that's what I got with Inferno, and I, I am not a variant cover guy, but because Ed is a fucking badass, he does not charge extra for his variants. Cover cover price, baby. Five ninety nine. I paid five ninety nine. Uh, well, minus my ten percent for being a pool. <laughs> and I got. I, mean, it, I, I looked at it and I was like, "Why doesn't see? Oh, let's figure this out." <laughs> yeah. Um. So the the one mutant that was not supposed to come back, that was going to expose everything. Everyone's going to learn everything. Um. Mm-hmm. That that's that's what I got. I just wanted to give everyone like an idea of what the hell is going on with the mutants right now because they, they have been leading up to this and uh, I, th- I believe it was X-Force where uh, a, a, an American journalist was given the uh, clues that the mutants have conquered death. Like, well, hold on a second. What am I looking here? Uh, what, what, are the, what are these dossiers? What are these uh, scans? Well, uh, you see that? That's a, that's a dead Cyclops. That's his body there, DNA scan. Yeah. Well, check out who's on the on the third level. Well, that's Cyclops. Same DNA. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Um, unmistakable, irreputable proof. There's something going on. <laughs> There's something going on. Um, uh, and, and then uh, you mentioned, did you want to do Guardians? Did you do the last no, one? No, you know what? I started, I got into it, and I was like, oh, man, I've got to go back a ways. Yeah, yeah. I we, we missed, I, like, I'm, four issues, and now it's over. That's all right. We will we will catch up. But that's the thing I, I appreciate about Guardians is that, A, they're never going to, like, not do it now. Yeah. And uh, what's more is that um, uh, it's its own whole thing. So... Apart from all of this stuff, 
So it's nice to see, you know, we've got multiple circum multiple situations going on in the Marvel universe that are not tied to one another. And some of them are huge. This is encompassing the entire X book set up and then like Avengers has its own stuff going on, Guardians has its own stuff going on. It's kind of amazing that there aren't more books. It's like, okay, you just got your space stuff, your mutant stuff, your Avengers stuff, your Spidey stuff, and then your street level guys, except there are no street level guys anymore. So uh, Daredevil's doing his thing, but Guardians ended with them using a magic bullet created out of the the, the special metal that uh, Arako out of Mars is selling. That is okay. that is more powerful than adamantium, and getting shot out of a giant space gun that Rocket Raccoon is uh, piloting with. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I can never remember Nova Corps names. Um, the the latest Nova oh, Corps yeah. guy, Richard Ryder. Richard Ryder is standing behind the primer of the gun. Original? He's standing behind the primer mm-hmm. of the gun to shoot this bullet, uh, magically powered by Doom, and. Um, that, I was like, whoa, what did I miss? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, for real. Yeah, and uh, magically powered by Doom to shoot the head of Dormammu, which is possessed um, Ego. Oh, all right, gotcha. Ego. And, like, faster than light speed, faster than anything that's ever happened before, you know, they, they put a bullet in, in, in Dormammu's head. He has to retreat to his uh, dark world, and, you know, they have that... They actually have a good, like, five pages of them celebrating, like, uh, not the Nowhere Bar, a different bar. Um, you know, we're family, this is great. Like, but you you get to see a good, like, more than two pages. Hey, everything's great, you know? Turn the page. Oh, mm-hmm. wait, 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 what's that coming in the in the skyline I see? And then, and then you know, yeah. after, yeah, no, no they, and then, you know, it just says the end, but, you know, like... Tony was saying, you know, of course, they're going to wait till Guardians uh, 3 comes out. Guardians That's not going to be until 2023. Yeah. Um, you know, you, they'll, you, they'll come out with some stuff ahead of that. I hope so. I just hope it doesn't get retconned. Uh, you know, like, oh, this stuff was, like, amazing. Like, the Advent Lenser stuff that was going on. And then all of a sudden, that doesn't matter right now. Uh, because now the movie's coming out, man. Well, we wouldn't really have elements of the Guardians right now without Abnet and Landing because, like, Drax looks like Drax because of that. Correct. And uh, Rocket is more or less what he is. The Rocket and Groot buddy friendship is what it is because of that. And uh, they really haven't done Gamora properly. They've never really done But, like, the Gamora in the... uh, The Gamora Nebula thing, that's pretty much a... Um, that's pretty much an MCU construct, and it really works. I love it. I love that part, especially. I think they did a really good job with that in Guardians too. Uh, I think the part of that that most inspires me is Nebula going like chasing and going after Gamora again and again. Other than the whole business with uh, Yondu, that was phenomenal. But well, anyway, give us some uh, since we're in space. Give us some Silverhawk man uh, number two. Silverhawk? The crap is that? <laughs> I was just wondering if you were paying attention. I was Silver just wondering Hawks? if you were paying attention. Darkhawks? Dude, Darkhawk 2. Okay. Let's. let's if Darkhawk. I, I slammed the first issue. You did. Uh, it's, it's a terrible origin issue. 
Um, it really felt like I don't know how to say this. I don't want to be uncaring. You know, okay. We got a new character, Connor. He's got multiple sclerosis, MS. His entire world is coming crashing down around him. He was going to be the next big breakout sports star at Empire State University. Uh, and when he starts to fall apart, I don't know how to call it. But basically, he he has these fainting spells, and his muscles give out on him. It's, it's you know. And that's the thing, guys. I'm not going to say I understand multiple I don't understand MS. And they're doing everything they can to make us understand it because there are gigantic, like, Q&A pieces at the end of this. Which isn't bad. That's I, awesome. That, that, I that like is awesome. Awareness. Better than a freaking letters page. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let me say, I mean, I don't know everything about it. I'm not dissing the fact that it's MS. I'm dissing the fact that it was a bad issue. It spends a whole lot of time world building. Was it was it like, a, was it a bad issue or is it a poorly executed issue number one? That's definitely what I'm saying. I think they're the, the same thing. Um, in this instance, uh, just kind of getting his powers out of nowhere, having a fight. It's like, well, if this was anything else, I would never look at it again. But uh, because it was Darkhawk, I was like, okay, you know, it's. Still, I get it. We're saying that it's Darkhawk. So I picked up issue number two, and it is a total turnaround. It is so. It was so, so good. And i got to say, part of that is already having some character development under my hat. That's what the MCU is really, really good at, because they do a Captain America movie and Thor movie and an Iron Man and a Hulk. And uh, so you don't have to have everybody's origin story in your Avengers movie. Right. Um, and uh, that was perfection. I mean, it really worked out. So I think that's where why this worked out so well. I had a little uh, product awareness by the time I got into this issue. And uh, basically, you know, you got you got the you get the you got his kid, his friend, you got Connor's friend who is definitely running with this techno gang of sorts. And um, we got a whole lot of conversation with them in the beginning about their lives and their relationship and their friendship. And uh, he doesn't understand why Connor doesn't want to go spend money on a new pair of, like, shoes. And I'm looking at that going, I really, really dig this. This is actual urban life understanding. Like, this is what people are into. This isn't, oh, i got to go get the new game or get the new BMX or whatever they would have tried to find an effort to identify with its readers in the 80s or 90s when we were growing up. Right. It just felt like adults were writing these comics and it was like, okay, well, are you talking down to me? But, like, this made sense to me. And, you know, uh, they go out and they try to get these shoes, and it's funny because they encounter Miles Morales and Gadke from... Is it Gadke or Ganke? I thought it was Ganke. I think it's Ganke. Uh, from uh, um, fucking Spider-Man. I don't care. Peter Parker, or if it's Miles Morales, it's fucking Spider-Man. I don't care where that Spider-Man came from, how many Spider-Men there are running around. I'm done concerning myself with separating... That because Miles Morales is a good character and deserves all the best. I agree. Um, in fact, I'm kind of put off that Tom Holland is 
Spider-Man and it wasn't Miles Morales. Uh, anyway, long story, whatever. Yeah. The boys are having a conversation about their neighborhood. That really got me. You know, hey, why would anybody, you know, why would anybody want to stay here? Well, it's home. And, like, you know, what is there to like about this place? Well, it's home. And then, like, you know, who would, there was these thugs over here the other night that stole from their own neighborhood or something like that. And they're like, maybe they are tired of being suckers living on the streets, you know? Maybe they're tired of uh, seeing just just past the glass, just on the other side of that barricade, that they can have a better life if they just took something. It's like their motivations were are really well spelled out here. I get it. I liked it. That is good. It was simple. It was primal. That's good narrative right there. I agree. It wasn't expository. It was conversation. So one, one thing I'm getting a little burned out on in all these books, we were just talking about Guardians, it's like there's so much internal dialogue going on. Somebody, like the new FF through the ages, it's all happening from one person's perspective, and it's them narrating something that's not happening on the freaking page. So you're reading two stories simultaneously, and it's a little bit much. I'm not saying I can't do it. I'm just saying I'm tired of it. Like it's a gimmick, and it's played out. So I like that the the uh, propellant is happening in conversation and dialogue with these two boys. They get their shoes, you know, uh, they get run amok by some regular street thugs. And uh, I'm thinking, oh, man, any minute Connor's going to turn into Darkhawk. That's a bad idea. If this isn't a Darkhawk-level issue, kid's running after the shoes, and I'm realizing his motivation is so powerful. No, I... I did something awful so that I could afford these shoes that I gave to my best friend. There's no way that some other punk is going to get these from me. And I was like, man, that is an unfortunate paradox. But he, uh, yeah, of course, Darkhawk shows up. Connor turns on the Darkhawk. He gets shot at, shot at. Like Chris Powell, when he got shot in the original Darkhawk armor, he would take a bullet and bleed green. And, like, you could see inside wounds that there was, like, this techno gadgetry inside. Like, this Darkhawk iteration of the armor is bulletproof. But it's clear that it hurts because uh, at a certain point it's, like, he's down on the ground and Connor's buddy is, like, i got to take that armor from her, from you. You need to give me that armor. I've got you dead to rights. i got one of the bad guy's guns. Just please come out of there and give me the armor. i got to take it. And he's like, no, 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 dude, I'm Connor. And I was like, man, wow. You're going to reveal that that early, and I guess maybe that's going to be a new conflict. How's that going to work? But I'm seeing, I'm, I'm hoping for a Spider-Man conflict where it's like a secret identity thing for issues and issues and issues. No, he's like outright immediately to his friend. He's like, dude, no, I'm, I'm the guy that fought you last night. Are you that guy? You just blew me up with one of those bombs from last night. And they realize it right there. It's that Batman Returns, you know, Bruce Wayne and Kylie, or, uh, Selena Kyle situation. It's like, oh, shit. And then, like, of course, uh, and then uh, the, fu the next funny, stupid thing is Miles Morales' Spider-Man swings in. is like, hey, blah, 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 those shoes. Whoop. And I'm like, oh, that's it. That's the little, that's the cameo we're going to get. There's not like a, 
hey, I know I've been out on the streets for a little while and blah, 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 and I can it, spit a little knowledge for you. It, they didn't do it. At least it wasn't a, what are you doing? I don't know. What are you doing? And they put, you know, there's a bullshit, exactly. bullshit grapple. And like, oh, wait, we're on the, we're on the yep. same side. Like, oh, thank God we got, we got over that. They could have done that. They could have done that. And it they, would have given his buddy an opportunity to get away, and that would have been more tension. And he could have been out looking for that guy for days. I'm not saying that's a missed opportunity. I like what happened. I'm down with it. I'm just saying there are other ways to do things that are also good. But this 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 book was pretty pat. This book was this is like with that with just one issue of unfortunate pacing, we have enough character development to have a real story in issue two. And I can see this going somewhere. The street level gang that the kid is dealing with, uh He's like, you know, hey, yeah, underboss, I can't, uh, I can't be the guy that's gonna steal, that's gonna get that Darkhawk armor for you, and also I need to get out. I, I'm out. I won't tell anybody. And then, you know, the next guy comes in, the next level in the pyramid scheme, bad guys, comes in, and you want the spoiler? Give it to me. Outright shoots the shit out of that kid. Shoots him once in the gut. And then probably pretty much execution blows his head off. Oh, that's amazing. So, you know, you get to that third, you get to that, or I'm sorry, yeah, you get to the third issue preview covered, it's Darkhawk, like, ah, in front of the grave. Dude, that's, there's your Ben, there's your Ben, Uncle Ben moment. I mean, and I don't see, you know, I authentically don't see how he's ever going to be able to blame himself for that. This kid was making his own bad decisions, but you know he's going to go after it. Which I also dig because if you're going back to your original Darkhawk, Philip Bazin was the, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, the mob guy that Chris Powell was having to deal with. And here these guys are going to be that. And they're a little bit more contemporary. And, um, dude, I don't know. I, now I'm really looking forward to see where this is going to go. Uh, and uh, I'm going to quit being dick. Is and it going to read all of these letters pages, which are informative docu stories of, uh, and Q&As about multiple sclerosis. I will get on board with that. I, I know and, uh, all about MS because they think my mom has that or lupus or something else. Alright, so one thing anyway. I'm pulling up issue number one because I own issue one. Glorious cover. I love the fact that his wings are like plasma blasts. That's fucking awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, they I, do one, any of the cool shit they've done and they make his armor change for certain circumstances or configurations that would be kick-ass. One thing I don't see here, which I was hoping I did not find, was issue one of six. It just says one. Oh, yeah, no. This is, uh, I'm going to say, this is another another attempt at ongoing some Darkhawk. And I think that's the thing. Like, Darkhawk, unfortunately, has traditionally been like the Inhumans. Yeah, you had a run. Uh, we changed creative teams and screwed it all up went a totally wacky direction that was really unfortunate and blew it. And uh, then he's at his best, showing up in issues one through four of a Darkhawk Nova team up in space, doing space stuff, which is way outside the wheelhouse of its protagonist, Chris Powell. He was never that guy. And so having a different Darkhawk amulet come to a different human 
this is interesting because you can touch on those things and not get locked into it, you know? But I want them to hopefully pay attention to all of that. Anyway, yeah, man, that was, it was, uh, it was a total reversal. I'm very happy about it. We're back from a little whiskey. No, like, we had to take a piss, not actual whiskey. Um, I'm super stoked to talk about this. I'm so happy about this right now. Even though it was just two issues, I uh, just started rereading Lady Death. Um, Chaos Comics were everything to me. They still wore. Um, but the thing is, though, is that when Polito started Coffin Comics, like, she was a good guy. Um, we're maybe nine or ten years away from the anime that came out where she was a good guy and we got all Hobbit on us and, and fantasy and it wasn't like murder mayhem like I like. Um, but um, I got the last issue before Treacher- Treacherous Infamy number one, which they're unfortunately not legacy uh, uh, numbered. Uh, obviously, they can't do the numbers numbers from Chaos. Uh, but uh, I have oh, a, yeah, right. uh, I have a lot of the uh, the early issues before Coffin started back when it was like, I think maybe IDW or Boom or something like that. It was one of those that always had a good cover and good paper. Um, but now that Coffin is on, I got I got back on the Lady Death train, and she's evil again, like hardcore evil, and the artwork is superbly, overly digital painted. It, it's gorgeous. Um, it, it, it reminds me of some of uh, it's it's classic new neo uh, horror comic books. She's just in New Orleans. She's got people under her bidding. She doesn't give a fuck who she's murdering. There is actual hardcore sex in this comic book. <laughs> like, like, uh, like, okay. something, uh, not to be lurid, or, but, like, I wanted to see Lady Death fuck, man. Like, uh, I'm, like it was a thirst <laughs> trap, but, like, she was, she was, you know, uh, controlling evil Ernie back in chaos, and, you know, they did what they could within the, within the bounds here, but, uh, here, th- this battle is taking place, and multiple t- uh, factions are taking over, uh, a, a, an evil uh, sorceress who isn't supposed to be evil because she's basically a fairy that wants to reclaim Earth and has resurrected all the evilness that Lady Death has expunged out of herself. She basically united her early incantations of herself where she was all about death and loving people screaming and saying really cliche things about how much she loves the musical uh, aspect of a human screaming and, and their pain, you know, it, it's it's all cliche horror stuff, but I love it. And in in erased like you know all knowledgeable, you know that's not right. We should, we've got bigger things to do. And this whole new myriad of cast of characters, uh, this woman with a sugar skull. Uh, I, I'm I'm really bad with names, but it's just one of those things where like I just get to know these people. And the the artwork is phenomenal. It, it is in no way not over the top overly painted and we she's got a son I didn't know about um Ed make sure I get the thirst trap covers I guess he just thought I was a perv when he met me uh yeah because issue two uh, treasures for me number two I have the lounge edition if you can see where that where did that word come where did that phrase come from it's one of those it's terms the kids the kids, the kids use yeah but uh, they're definitely thirst trap. Um, beautiful paper quality. I- I'm just so excited. It was such an over the top horror comic book. Lady Death just exalted in this. I've never read it. What is the point? What's going on here? 
uh, in, murdering the in, heck out of people. In the originally, does she's basically the the uh, the goddess of death. She's not death itself. She's the goddess of death. Uh, originally, a human being. Nothing to do with J. Michael Winsor. Correct. Uh, but they, they were definitely in the same like vibration and in, in, in uh, polarity or parallels there. You can say, or well, Dawn wasn't the goddess of death. Dawn was, yeah, basically a constant reincarnated version of the. Wiccan goddess, mm-hmm. just in a much more fantasy sense. But I had a lot of fun with it, and I'm just how much were these comic books? Five bucks each. Jesus, I didn't realize I was paying that much for them. Um, <laughs> happy with it, man. Happy. Uh, Bunny mask number four. Um, I, this one I'm not gonna go into. Paul Tobin, who did Colder, uh, big fan of this gentleman's work. That the. the Issues one and two were a little convoluted, but as we get into four, the the story is really um, is coagulating the right word, <laughs> uh, coalescing. Like there's a, it's it, it, it's it's finally starting to make sense as the characters are are developing and who this person is. Even though you, she might be Bunny Mass, but she was touched by Bunny Mass back in the catacombs in the beginning of the. Uh, first issue, you don't know what she's involved in. Um, Where did the, the lady with the bunny mask touch you? Yeah, pre- precisely. But then we've got, uh, well, we've got the bunny from AEW, which... Allie, uh, yeah, um, I'm sorry, I got a little distracted there for a second. Um, wasn't even making that up. Uh, wanna wanna uh, do the quick little recap here of Something is Killing the Children. Uh, you and I are constantly at odds with woke culture in terms of making comic books. Iceman's gay now. I don't mind the fact that Iceman's gay now. I just feel that it is a uh, insincere attempt at trying to connect with uh, that yes, culture. Yes, there you go. And, you. Yes. And, and, and a cash grab. Now, when Tinian, the, the, the third, well, the, the fourth, actually, uh, he started something that's killing children and we've got the main character uh erica who is a monster hunter and we get slowly introduced that she's part of a a, a, almost a cult of monster hunters known as the house of slaughter um i didn't feel that this was a a cash grab or like we we need a i don't don't, tinian is part of part of the um the rainbow crew and i don't feel he did it main to main character a woman because, oh, we need a new strong woman character. I think an idea came to him and it just so happened to be a strong woman that happens to be maybe like maybe 19, maybe 24, maybe 25, in between that. Um, mm-hmm. But a- after the main story wrapped up, we're, we're getting to the origins of Erica and how she became part of House of Slaughter. And she, she the test they have to put them through where the, the, the demon... Basically, the demon that slaughtered her family and her best friend, she somehow was able to defeat it and capture its essence within her favorite toy. This little octopus. Uh, uh, octopus. Now, the test... Octopus. Uh, yes. <laughs> the, the, the test that she Sorry. can survive the House of Slaughter is she's taken to a gentleman who... His, he's part of the, uh, the, the Blue Masks, um, mm-hmm. the Azures, and he... What he does is... On his farm, they take these per- potential prospects, the doll that, or whatever, um, uh, 
I don't know, whatever you want to call it, whatever that they trapped the demon that they that initially attacked them inside and put them in a test where they release the demon and the demon tests them and if they survive, then they're they've got the merit to be part of the House of Slaughter and depending on what mask they have to wear because of their specific personality, mm-hmm. um, they divide that this issue shows what the masks mean, the, the like, this color means that they all hunt in packs. This color means that they hunt individually. These people take care of the, the big boys, the, the, the world enders. And um, mm. they, at the last issue, uh, they thought that, you know, Erica was doomed. They had to leave her there. They're, they couldn't help her. And the right people show up and like, okay, we're here to clean up the mess. And they like, fuck you, you know, what you're drinking already, it's one o'clock. Yeah, well, she's probably dead. And then as they're arguing, Erica's like, okay, so I'm alive. And they're like, oh my god, you're alive. <laughs> like, like, they, they, like, it was a true, honest, like, the, the idea I know came to Tinian, just like, that was the character. Like, mm-hmm. that's how he initially envisioned it. And the artwork, I mean, she's got these big, giant, like, bulbous eyes. More than, more than uh, Marla. <laughs> Marla, huge, 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 (laughs) yes, exactly, Um, even bigger than Marla's from Fight Club, and we've got that wonderful little bit of her, and something, uh, I I believe if I read correctly, the uh, spinoff from Something's Killing the Children called The the House of Slaughter uh, already has uh, half a million pre-orders. Whoa. Okay. Tinian, uh, a couple months ago, announced that he was quitting all major uh, DC, anything that he was doing major, that what didn't belong to him. And uh, that's why. <laughs> that's why. And hell yeah. Like, go do it. Go do it. Go go kick ass. I hope that my, my homies over in Lethal Comics up in Montreal that are doing uh, uh, Mother Trucker and this other one I just described to you, an issue one. Um, let's see... There's Hackslash. That's not Hackslash. I bid on Hackslash too. Like, support those guys. Uh, Psycho Goreman. Um, 30 bucks for an issue one. Uh, Belander's like, dude, I'm hooking the fuck up. Like, he, he's, a, he's a bro, man. I can't wait to meet this guy. We're, we really want to book him a new era. And he already said, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there's that. And then. Um, uh, let me wrap up with Hellraiser. I need to. I need to like delete some horror from my brain for just a second. Like, give me some of that. Uh, <laughs> give me some of that. Uh, what do you got? You've got. Uh, I got a fat, massive stash of Star Wars, or a deep dive into some vintage Marvel, which we should have done earlier when we were talking about X Men. There's so many mutants involved. Just wondering real quick, did I do Soul Plumber already? No, no, no. No, okay, just making sure. All right, cool. I, I mm-hmm. while while we talk, I make a list and then I uh, draw a line in the in the notepad and then just cut and paste as we go. Yeah. Do it. There we go. Uh, no, you want? Yeah, we're good. Let's. Let's get into our Star Wars here, yeah, because 
there's a, I'm not saying let's sit here and review the heck out of individual issues. No, 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 no. I had an idea how to start this. Yeah. Because the yeah. last time we talked about Star Wars, I was bitching about the fact I'm so fucking tired of all these little rinky-dink stories that don't mean goddamn shit right now in between Empire and, and, and Jedi. Um Especially after the huge shock we still are feeling after they discredited everything that happened in, in, in Dark Horse and, and everything in the expanded yeah. universe and the novels. Huge, huge swipe. And and the last thing I, I had to say on that last time was the fact that you know that that the Mandalorian was an anomaly. Um, you know the the right people were given the reins and not overly monitored and and uh, micromanaged, mm-hmm. and then. We we did talk about like the first issue of Bounty Hunters, and I was still wasn't sold, but I'm in I'm into right. issue four in the entire series, and I'm fucking sold as a motherfucker. This is gnarly. <laughs> this is yeah, it's really it's really good, dude. I mean, I think that's the thing. Uh, there's okay. I mean, you know, yeah. There's a whole lot of stuff. It's the opportunity. Think about this. You've got the Marvel universe, and you've got all these guys, and oh, they're all interacting. This is every character that they have pushed for the run of Marvel Star Wars all in the same place at the same time. You know, except for maybe the Emperor or a bunch of guys. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's Luke on his way. Everybody's trying to rescue Han or, uh, you know, our heroes are, and then everybody's trying to buy Han Solo and... He's frozen in carbonite. Um, because I want to take this and I want to compare it to something that came out much earlier. In fact, I need to get a uh, get a time on that. Uh, and um, let's see if it actually tells me this. Of course it's not. No, of course it's not going to just make it easy. So, uh, there it is, 1996. Okay, so... In between Empire and Star Wars, or Empire and Return of the Jedi, there's it's what's like maybe six months of time, right? So we've got a story that makes complete sense. Boba Fett gets away with Han Solo at the end of Empire and gets to Jabba the Hutt. How long does that take? Do these people not know where Jabba the Hutt lives? Of course they do. Luke is from Tatooine. Yeah. All of that stuff. So the expansion of problems here, like I say, you've got Dr. Afra and whoever she's running around with, because I haven't been reading that. You've got uh, I tuned the Huts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you've got the Huts dealing with things there. You've got Crimson Dawn trying to come back. And you have all of these characters like talking about other gangs and other pirate groups and whatever else and they've all been invited to this thing and it's supposed to be like you know, it's almost like a quinceanera or something. It's, it's Crimson <laughs> Dawn's coming out party. Like, we're back everybody, we never went anywhere and Kira's in charge and Kira is of course from the Solo movie and it's yes, kind sir. of astonishing that she is just like so completely heartless about Han Solo and I really doubt that's the case honestly. Agreed. Um And I also don't get the impression that she's so cunning that uh, she can run this organization. Um, Because if you watched Solo, you know that Darth Maul is the one behind the organization. Um, So, 
all of this stuff adds up to where we're at this one thing, the Smuggler's Ball. There's so the War of the Bounty Hunters follows Boba Fett. So far, that's been interesting. It just seems like a jerk move to have, like, Boba Fett got his prize, he got the money, he took him to Jabba the Hutt. Now we're saying, like, no, that's not exactly what happened. You know, there was all these problems and all these... A funny thing happened on the way to Tatooine type of situations, you know? And the bounty hunters are all fighting one another, and they're trying to get it. And it's just... It's, it's fascinating, because it actually... The through line for the Star Wars book, all of these books have their protagonists in the same place at the same time, witnessing events that are happening verbatim dialogue in other titles. And I'm like, good, guys, good. That is really, really good. There's no continuity errors. There's no glaring inconsistencies. It fits. And then, like I said, you know, yeah, the artwork is cool, and everybody's got their own motivations. It's It turned into something really, really good so far. And I think it would have been a pain in the ass to be reading this two or three issues at a time when they're all separated out all over all of these titles. Right. Having this many out now means it's like, cool, let's just digest a bunch of stuff, and it's awesome. All right, this is cool. That's, I don't remember where Luke got that lightsaber, though. The the yellow one? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that was And I don't on, think you should have one. I just straight up don't think I, I do remember, but I remember it was boring. Uh, I remember he mm -hmm. went to a different planet, found a chick that had it. Um, she almost drowned him. R2 saved him. Uh, I, I barely remember it. Uh, before... You get too far. Um, this is how I felt during X of Swords. Um, mm. Remember during X of Swords, I was like, every issue matters. It's across the entirety of all the X books. Um, yeah. The, the, like, despite the fact that different writers and different artists are doing each issue, um, everything matters. And it's uh -huh. got that, like, can't miss it, can't miss it, gotta have it. And that's why I'm so excited about this. It, it, add to the pile of why... After all my bitching from last issue, uh, that you know it's a rickety story. No, <laughs> no, and then and then not the and then we've got other things on the horizon too that I doubt are going to play too much into it. Like uh, the you know season three of the Man uh, Mandalorian, and we got the Book of Boba Fett coming in December. Um, you still got to get caught up in Mandalorian with with uh, your uh, uh, mini, mini call. Yeah, I, you know I think that what it's going to amount to is uh, you know he he's all caught up on. He's been watching it with his stepdad. I don't blame him. It's cool. So, uh, and, you know, he's excited about it because we've been talking about it. I'm just going to end up watching it, you know. I'm going to end up uh, finishing it and enjoying it. I don't need somebody to sit here and watch it with me. Um, the thing is, right now I'm, like, massively on a Star Trek kick, and I don't really want to mesh those things. And it's been hard for me to even finish watching... Uh, Winter Soldier and um, Falcon and Winter Soldier because I'm just like I, I don't want to feel I don't want to think about that right now. I haven't even I haven't even started it, man. Um, it's really that it's that that show is really entertaining. I absolutely love the guy that plays John Walker. I love him in all the shows I've ever seen him in. Anyway, long story, whatever. Yeah, the Star Wars. Yeah, this is this has gone well. The Star Wars story, this that through line is going really well. There are there are plenty of thrills and spills. How can Chewbacca and Leia and Lando and Boba Fett have a scuffle behind the scenes over here and no one know about it? I don't get that. How can there be a flamethrower incident? Nobody know, get that. And you're getting all these bounty hunters getting off or getting lost in, you know, like in an ice flow and just 
whatever, just crazy stuff like that. And Boba Fett is basically proving that he is the badass he needs to be. Then there's the cyborg character, Valence. Uh, I, he is a re, a, I don't know how to say this, a re-representation of a cyborg in the original Marvel Maybe or just an appropri- uh, reappropriation is redundant. It's just an appropriation. It is redundant. It's just like I don't know what to say. He, I think he is the cyborg character from the uh, early Marvel comics, starting in the seventies. So, uh, and I haven't. I I don't know if I've got any of those issues to be able to wrap that up. And I certainly didn't like. Okay, let's Wikipedia that or Wikipedia or whatever. But um, uh, so I can't answer that question. But. Uh, yeah, the, all of the stuff that happens between... The thing is, I'm looking at this and I'm like, how much are we cramming into one space? And then I'm like, no, this is pretty believable, you know? To have a big moment between Darth Vader and Jabba the Hutt, and he's like, you know, Jabba the Hutt just paid a million credits to get Han Solo from Crimson Dawn. Even though he just fucked Boba. That, that in and of itself, to me, says way more about Jabba the Hutt's take on how powerful Crimson Dawn is or could be than it does, you know, like the original bounty was like 20,000 credits or something like that. It wasn't nearly a million. So unless that's a unless that's a screw-up on their part, I just don't really know. But I don't know any place in the actual canon that said how much money they needed to be able to take a dent, you know, take care of their Han, Han's deal with Jabba the Hutt, so. What it amounts to is that it's been really good, and I really, you know, like Darth Vader showing up, like, you know, I think about Kylo Ren having a tantrum on a Star Destroyer. Oh, Jesus. Now think about Darth Vader having a very different, much more respectable tap tantrum in front of all of those criminals. Like, yeah. the Empire... He just yeah, choked someone he's out. Looking he'll, just, at it. he'll just kill the most important guy oh, yeah, in the room. He killed, a bunch of, he killed a handful of those people, those aliens, those beings. And it's like, uh, how, is the, how is that not a problem? And how are they not going to want to come after him? And Maybe he is the most dangerous person. It made me feel like Darth Vader is no shit the most dangerous person in that galaxy. Of course, the Emperor is doing his things. But Darth Vader, you cannot cross him. And I think he he came out hard there. And I'm like, I would have been petrified if I was any of those guys. 100%. That is the freaking boogeyman. I or, don't. I, or or like, stub your know. toe, like, yeah. You, you, that's a great yeah. way to put it. it. He was the boogeyman back in the day. And then that's the thing I keep appreciating about people who have been riding Darth Vader properly. He whips out his lightsaber. He fights you for a little while, and you never realize he never needed that lightsaber. Not at all. He'll just he'll choke you. He'll fling you against the wall. He can probably do any number of other horrible things. He could be fighting you while the stormtroopers are in the back rounding up your entire gang and your family, and they're going to blow him out the airlock while he's been distracting you. Like, there's so many amazing things going on. What bothers me, unfortunately, in this is that Darth Vader needs 
to get patched through to the X-Wing fight, like Luke's arriving X-Wing's calm. No! Reach out through the forest! What the hell? Yeah, that was a little weird. Yeah. No, there's an X-Wing approaching. I sent Skywalker. Then just communicate so, with him. Stop the engine and, and, and you know, like do something a little bit more hardcore. You can sense Skywalker about to destroy the, the Death Star. Shut down the engine, yeah. man. To, like... Fuck up the starter, like <laughs> you know, pull out the jam the transmission, you know, like or, you know, something like I that. Think you're, you're you're telling me, okay, look, yeah, I want you to understand when I when I was a kid thinking about what the Jedi could do, and Episode One was coming out, I was like, I can't wait to see this. We're finally going to see Jedi being Jedi. What does that mean? And yeah. what do we get? We get Obi Wan, or we get yeah, we get Obi Wan and Qui Gon. Leaping off stuff from a high distance. They're using techno gadgetry to swim around underwater instead of using force. They block lasers left and right. We never see anybody like act like a speedster and run super fast. Uh, we see Obi Wan fling a grappling hook in Episode Two, and maybe he's using the force to make that happen. It just never. It was never enough. Like, I feel like, I feel like Marvel Comics has done more stuff with Jedi-quality powers than Star Wars ever did with or, their or, thing. Or Dark Horse. It's, oh, Dark Horse has its moments, that's for damn sure. The Dark Horse Star Wars run in the early 2000s, the, or the 2010s, the, was... The, freaking good. The Dark Horse, well, even like, even the, uh, what I've read from, like, the 90s, um, it's the difference between Marvel and DC and just in general. Like, the, this is Marvel's cinematic and, oh, you, you relate to this, right? But, like, then DC's more of, like, <laughs> like, um... You relate to this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, DC's more yeah. like, you need to, you need to read. You need to, you need to find your emotional connection. You, you like, you, you, you have to find the vibration going on here. Um, there's a big difference between that, exactly what you're talking about. But now we're getting all of the all of the above with more of the bounty hunters. I love the fact that each issue uh, within the Star Wars verse uh, in Marvel has that big, beautiful banner at the beginning. Oh, need that? Go don't mind if I do. And um, you know, it's I'm, I'm just happy for it, man. It, I'm just happy I'm getting to enjoy Star Wars again because the last Honestly, time, yeah, I've been a little bit low on Star Wars because the quality of the storytelling. When you're forcing Zardra on us, or whatever her name is, as the new bad guy to deal with, and you're... It's just like, uh, you know, I mean... I get that... You know, at its core, this is a good... The Star Wars title is good, because it focuses on Luke and Leia and, and Han and Lando and whatever. But, like, it's not getting too expanded upon where it's like, we need to do an entire thing where Mon Mothma's gonna go up. Oh, yeah. Yourself, or whatever. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, there's Greedo again. I would again. love to... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would love to follow General Rykeen and Admiral Akbar and Mon Mothma making major decisions for the Alliance and having other relevant characters contributing in some way or another. It can't all just be Wedge. Yeah. You know? But uh, I want you know, Dash. I, I want Dash Rendar from the fucking uh, Shadows of the Force from the Super Nintendo. That's what game. I was going to Shadows I mean, of the Empire. Six, six, That's Shadows of the Empire from '64. Folks, you've been. You're saying from '64. It's not, uh, even though it is. 
Okay, 1996, we get Shadows of the Empire. It's a novel. It's a book. And they made a video game based off of the book. Hold on. While you're talking, I'm going to look this up on Amazon so I can immediately read this. This sounds amazing. This book? Yeah, it's, it's a fun, it's a very, very good book. But it chronicles, like, four of the months between Je- Empire and Jedi. Yeah, but but, but uh, Rendar's following uh, Solo. Like, he's doing cleanup. Yeah. He's doing cleanup. Uh, no. See, this is where things get messed up. Because the book by itself is awesome. But then they also say, yeah, but if you want the whole story, you have to play the whole video game on Nintendo 64. And there's parts of that book, there are parts of that story that aren't in the book, and that's canon. It's all canon. Well, nothing's canon anymore. Dash Rendar is not going to show up in any of this stuff. The point of the, excuse me, the point of Dash Rendar was that he was another, like, think of a younger, more brash Han Solo type character. With a jetpack. I guess he had a jetpack. I don't remember that in the book. I never played the video game. Are you kidding uh, me? It's the best Star Wars game of all time. I like I like Windows ninety eight Star Wars Rebellion. Uh, he um he uh you know he's got the Outrider which is a cool ship. He's got his droid counter like buddy, his droid co pilot, and he goes out and does his own stuff. But they can't get him to cool his heels and quit being a hothead. You know like that's part of the plot is that he's a hothead. And uh, everybody's on the on, it's been a month. Lando has finally come up with some concepts on where they need to go to find Boba Fett. They go out there and they realize that Black Sun, a criminal organization that is competing with, you know, they control the huts. And Prince Shizor, he is the guy running that. Okay. He is uh, he is an alien that has pheromones and stuff that helps get him control people. He gets Leia into a situation. They're all on Coruscant at the same time. And uh, Luke has a moment where he's sneaking into Coruscant through the sewers, and he and Darth Vader detect one another at a distance. And I remember listening to the soundtrack score for that piece of that moment, and it's really powerful, because it's playing the Jedi theme, and it's playing the Darth Vader theme, and stuff like that. It's, But, like, yeah, that story came out, and that was what we had for decades. That's the, that's the in-between time. You know, before they get to Tatooine and before Luke makes his lightsaber, Luke, without a lightsaber, back to a blaster, can he aim better because of the force? Can he force choke people because he force chokes Gamorrean guards at the beginning of Jedi? I always thought you know? that, that using violence uh, for the sake of violence was dark side. It pretty much is, but I also, like, like that was a thing. When I was a kid, we obsessed over the West End Star Wars D6 RPG books, the role-playing game books, because that detailed the Force for us. You could be Force-sensitive, you had a, a die roll for Control, for Sense, and for Alter, and you had different Force powers where you could roll two sets at once, or maybe all of them, to be able to... To accomplish a feat, but there were some that gave you an automatic dark side point, like telekinetic kill or force lightning, if you were powerful enough to generate it, and uh, 
other stuff like that, you know, like using the force for an evil purpose, like, like, God help me, Ray, blowing up a transport with a with force lightning. I mean, ah, uh, come on, some of that stuff. It was ridiculous. I have been so programmed by the rule structure of that game that that's how I perceive life. Like, that's how I've always done it. I was like, uh, I'm not actually trying to be an asshole here. I'm making a point, you know? Like, and that people sometimes get that, and other times they're like, of course not. I know, because you're not an evil person. Yeah, there you go. Right. But, like, it's a whole thing. Like, anyway, but, you, you know, things where it's like, I just got a dark side point because I went out and I used my innate abilities to steal a car and, I don't know, crash it into a post office and steal all the mail. I have no idea. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you, where do you draw the line at what's true evil? Or are you just using the force to help you gamble like Qui-Gon? So you get more of what you want. Like Watto, you know, deciding to set the slave child free. It's that kind of stuff. I'm a person. Yeah, yeah. My name is Anakin. I'm My a name person. is Anakin, and I'm gonna fuck you in nine years. <laughs> um, oh. Or less. I started than that. seeing stuff on Reddit today where people are making a a big bid that Anakin and Ashoka should have been should have got together. Uh, I've seen that before. But the age difference between Ashka. him and her was about the same as Anakin and Padme. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started on that. Woke culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the the, the, the wokesters need to, like, okay, we can argue a few different things here. <laughs> None of which you're going to like. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, Star Wars Bounty Hunters, Star Wars... Uh, some of these other tie-in titles. I haven't read the two volumes of Bounty Hunters yet that has a whole lot to do with Valence, which I thought it was interesting because there's one point where he's like, Boba Fett, I'm not, I'm not coming after Solo for the bounty. He's my friend. And I'm like, okay, that bears research right there. That bears reading some stuff and trying to figure out how that ties in because they, I I have to date not seen any of that in any of the regular title you know right but uh yeah I'm not gonna lie this is entertaining but I'm also looking forward to being over and progressing in a in a whole other direction I'm just... whole Operation Starlight thing getting itself sorted out yeah okay uh, been meaning to tell this for a while so. The uniforms for Space Force are not on sale yet. <laughs> have you guys, have you minefielders, seen the gloriously awesome United States Space Force uniforms? They're dress uniforms. They're duty uniforms. They're day uniforms. Also look cool. But their dress uniforms look like Battlestar Galactica meshed with Wrath of Khan, Star Trek Wrath of Khan, Starfleet uniforms. They are like up, what, like asymmetrically snapped on the up they're, on one they're side. Perfect. And they're so badass, man. They're, they're the perfect. Best, they're yeah. just the best. I was told uh, by a legitimate source that the mm-hmm. second that they can buy one at the BX. Yeah, yeah. You'll the have. base exchange, 
you'll have one. Dude. I... I want to know what that goes for. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't want to impersonate an I, officer. I really I don't just think it's the coolest uniform. I really don't think that that's not going to have anything you have to worry about. Um, <laughs> but I also don't think that the price is going to bother you, no matter what it is. No, you're too badass. It, it's it, uh, like of all the times I've heard you talk about getting to buy a replica uniform. Or even just like a, a piece of cloth that might have been part of an original costume. That was an exaggeration. Oh, no. um, I can't do that. I hate it but, when they shred uniform, shred costumes. And but if you're able to be to buy a, a, a part of history and buy, oh, dude, I'm not. Yeah, it's not just a part of history. It is a definitely. You, you, these people make fun of Donald Trump, but he generated. A very, very needed part of our military structure. The next war will be fought in space. We will have my my dad who's shooting down satellites. My dad, who's a part of it, was like, uh, I was like ten years ago. What do you think the? He asked me, what what do I think the next terrorist attack is going to be? Mm-hmm. And I gave him my theory. He's like, oh, okay, okay. So you read a lot of stuff online. All right, that's cool. Uh, you're wrong. Um, he was being a dick. No, he was just like, you're wrong. Um, luckily, this has not happened. But um, he's like, what What would you think would happen if, I don't know, they shut down the power grid? Uh, that's exactly it, man. One or two or three EMP hold on, devices. Hold on, hold on. This, this, is, this is ten years ago. This is ten years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it sounds like it would be total chaos, because if, from what I understand, because I read X-Men, um, <laughs> an EMP would knock out, especially if it was uh, at a uh, major power hub, it would knock everything out. Like, you couldn't get access to your cash, you would have no access to the internet, mm-hmm. you would have no access to GPS, uh, no one has landlines anymore. And he's like, mm-hmm, keep going. And I'm like, well, then the power would go out, and which means that all our food would get spoiled, which means that there would be raid and hoarding for food, which we've already seen a, a brief little window of what that would be because of COVID. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it'd be total chaos. He's like, yeah, you know, that let, me, let me do one more. All of our cars operate yeah. on, with computer chips and computer components. And the EMP will fritz them out, and your car goes nowhere. Yeah. So now you've got a bunch of, like, hulking metal going nowhere that people are, uh, you, you know, siphoning your, your gas out and all that stuff. There's, it just, yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, unless you're driving, like, a 50s version model, and uh, mm-hmm. even then, that's a gas guzzler, but even though those guys got, like, 20-gallon yeah. bitches on there. And, well, that was, like, 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. he's like, "What do you think the, the What do you think the next war is going to be?" And I was like, "No, what are you getting at?" And he's like, "Well, space." And he's like, "My dad always quizzes me. Like, my dad's a, a man of few words, but when he does talk, they resonate." And yeah, he's like I said a million, million times, he's my hero. Like the mm-hmm. couple months ago, he's like, uh, "We were watching a World War II special. And like, why, why do you think we did this to Japan?" I'm like. Um, because they have no natural resources. Exactly. Good job. Yeah, and that's 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 why oil embargoes. Yeah. Well, he's like, well, why do you think the the war in space is going to be a problem? And I'm thinking, and I'm like, 
There's no protocols for space war. Exactly. Oh, good. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there, 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 there's no Geneva conference for war in space. Um, uh, there, the, the, the Russians have a Russian nesting doll uh, um, satellite that opens up into three different parts, and then destroyed one of our satellites, like like a mm-hmm. fucking nesting doll. Um, yeah, like a couple years ago, let's say like six years ago, they were threatening to uh, destroy Guam and. People didn't realize why that that was important. Well, that's what our B2s are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, and then a couple of years ago, people were like, well, why don't we just, you know, stop being friends with the Saudis and the Turks? Uh, because that's the where we park and refuel on the way to Iraq, Afghanistan. Um, those are major that's... hubs. It's it's from Rammstein to any one of those to X marks the spot. But mm-hmm. there's no there's no protocols for for what is determined for uh, you know declaration of war in space, and the the with, with everything they're releasing right now in terms of like that they're basically getting us ready for that UFO technology exists. Yeah. Um, whether or not you believe in UFOs, uh, they have released the Pentagon has released in. I know a lot of people don't like Trump. Uh, he's not my favorite person, but I, I, there are certain attributes about what he's done that I do dig, especially Space Force. Um, that, well, we've got to be prepared, and we don't know what they fucking have. And they're releasing these videos, you know, um, the, the Tic Tac. Um, you've seen the Tic Tac, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. No propulsion system that we can wrap our minds around. Uh, Donald Fravor doing, uh, you know, talking about that. Um, Captain, um, I feel like they're preparing us for some things. I but, think that's true. But we don't know what the Russians have. We don't know what the, what the, uh, the Chinese have. I, I would... I'll, t- I'll tell you what the, what the Russians have. They are on the cusp of the hypersonic cruise missile. The Soviets pioneered cruise missile technology because they knew that they were going to have a really hard time competing with the U.S. on having a blue water navy. Past Mach needed, five. They, yeah, they did not have they did not have uh, year round ports because their ports were constantly frozen over. Uh, so that's part of the reason you invade Afghanistan, so you can plug down that direction. Otherwise, you're stuck with one thing in Novosibirsk on the uh, extreme east coast over by Japan and Korea. Uh, You can't do anything necessarily in the Baltic without everybody knowing it. And when you do stuff out of the Black Sea, you know, you've got Turkey right there. And whatever our relationship would have been with Iran or anybody else who's in contact with that, uh, at the time, it's all problematic. We're going to find out about it. We're already going to find out about it no matter what. So they're like, okay, well, what do we got to do? We can't, we can't make battleships. We are having a hard time developing airstrike capabilities off of carriers. They're, they're, the best things they ever had, with the, 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 the Kirov and the Minsk in particular, when they fielded them, were weak-ass battlecruisers converted into uh, carriers, and they could only, like, really sortie to... Two squadrons of the worst uh, vertical takeoff and landing airplanes ever. Uh, what is it? The Yak 38, I think. 
And um, I could be wrong about that one, the, the, the plane itself. But So they're like, how do we tackle the U.S.? How do we tackle NATO? Cruise missiles. So they have been pushing cruise missiles forever. All of their frigates and all of their missile cruisers are cruise missiles, if they ever work. But right now, they're like, yeah, we can do a cruise missile that flies faster than anything could ever shoot then, it then down. You, then you can compute. Uh, and... You can't compute the trajectories to hit it with anything if it could hit uh, at those speeds. Even lasers can't take these things down. We haven't even figured that out yet. And the rail guns, which we're getting closer and closer to, haven't been, we haven't been able to figure that out either. So all you can do is propose, would think it's going to be like nuclear weapons. We think they're getting ready to launch something because of satellites. Right. They're going to try to take out a carrier strike group. Uh, you know, because we're over here trying to do something, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're spinning up one of these launchers. They might launch, but we might hit their launch site uh, now, you know, a, a, bit, a little bit later. Now, that's one of the reasons why the have they have been proposing more and more... Um, programs to develop AI because the only thing that's going to be able to absolutely comprehend something hypersonic is AI and AI and we're not just talking about AI in terms of like iRobot like science fiction bullshit we're talking about something that's going to be able to process we're talking about Skynet for Christ's sakes well yeah but at the same time something that's going to be able to recognize that they want they want AI to be able to control the drones that are going to have a mother bee like a like 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 a mothership okay. that that's going to be something that's hyper powered to the point where uh, after a certain amount of distance these things are going to the drones are going to have to recharge that's one of the reasons mm -hmm. why we don't have jetpacks right now because there's not anything that's like going to be able to power this thing long enough for yeah, the, sure. for for rocketeer stuff, for the Nazis to go from Europe, uh, you know, you know, and yeah, and, and, right. yeah like it, they just they simply don't have the power pack for it. <laughs> but the, to have the power pack and something that's con like you know the way we refuel the B twos refuel like um, you know our, our Raptors and stuff like that mid air. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking yeah, about yeah. like like a mothership Queen Bee that's going to recharge them as, but they're going to be able to compute the information fast enough because our brains like our cameras let's bring it down our cameras aren't fast enough trickle down to our brains aren't going to be fast enough to comprehend hypersonic speed past that the the right. the, 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 the point of, of, of uh, not making noise when they break the, the sound barrier um Ugh. that's yeah. that's something else it, it, let it, me let me tell you what I heard about the day before yesterday. Please. I got a I got a buddy who has been teaching Chinese students in China English online for several years. Several years. Uh, the Chinese have canceled that program. Like, yeah, we don't need that anymore. Because we're taking they're taking all of these thousands if not millions of hours of teaching from however many countless Americans or whomever else was involved in this project and the their their computers have watched the English speaking people's teaching this to create wow. algorithms answers 
conversation, understanding, they're uploading all of that content into an AI to be able to yeah, teach people Chinese, teach people English or to like whatever else, you know? And that's the thing. Like the the thing with the thing that's going on in Taiwan right now where the Chinese are flying sorties into what is technically not even actually Taiwanese airspace, but they're doing it anyways so that they're pre- they're prepping their pilots they're to be like, okay, this is what it's going to be like, and that's the geography, and that's that's probably my target package and whatever else, and here's how I get within this range under these weather conditions to be able to uh, be able to deploy my weapon and blah blah blah. And, Here's their response time. We're probing to see what the Taiwanese responses will be. They will they move these man. here? Will they activate that? All of that's going on right now. Yes. And uh, uh, and um, it freaks me out that they're like, hey, yeah, we're done with this whole English thing. Because I don't think that the Chinese people, I think they're getting their news. But I don't think that they want the Chinese people communicating with English te- teachers about hey, what's going on in the news over there? They've, and finding out we're prepping to invade Taiwan. Well, that makes perfect we sense. That. that makes perfect sense for a couple of re- different reasons. Uh, the right people in China know English in order to invade our social media. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, there's a video online uh, oh, from like 20 yeah. years ago of, of a KGB defector it's talking about like like how how is how is Russia going to take down um, the America? And he's like, well, it's going to take 20 years. Why 20 years? Because it's going to take uh, one whole generation of us invading their thought processes within the colleges and and, and, and ingraining them with a certain amount of um, anti-American ideals that they're going to think is right. And whether or not it's right or not, uh, we are encouraging um, defection. We're, we're encouraging... Uh, it's hard to talk about because... Where we grew up in the '80s, where Russia was the was the enemy, and you know we we were still the good guys on paper, and pretty much still in in we the black always files. have the capability of being good. Yeah, but I uh, think that uh, we are realizing how tarnished the concept really is. That's why it's I was that, happy that Facebook might have been shut down yesterday. Like we all need to think for yeah. ourselves and be like we've never been more divided. Other than the Civil War, but this isn't about slavery and trade, and um, th- this is about we're being attacked. And I have no no problem with the Russian people. I have no problem with, with the Chinese people. Uh, these people are just living their day to day lives. But like you, you hear them talk about uh, their news, like, well, what do you think about the news? And like, oh, that's all fake. Like you know, like they, they they don't pay attention to it. They know it's propaganda. We haven't reached that point yet. Like we're we're still sending fake news and you know like just decrying anything that doesn't go against uh, that goes against anything that we particularly pick and choose is our particular uh, chosen method of thought as opposed to rationalization and logic. Um, but it's Halloween, so that was our. Political <laughs> geographic way to scare people. It, it's it's happening. Yeah, it's really out there, guys. It's really happening. Uh, you know, I uh, 
I'd like to think that there's enough unity in this country to be able to take care of some things, but I mean, to take care of a to take care of our internal problems. I'd love, to, honestly, you know, I don't know. When somebody comes and says, "Hey, yeah, we want to put you know trillions of dollars into an infrastructure package," I'm like, you know what? You're not my guy, and I think you're a clown. But that is a great idea. Yeah, we should be. We should be. I, I'll tell you this. Yeah, I think about that, and I'm like, put Americans to work, rebuilding this crumbling infrastructure with American tools, American equipment, American raw materials, American factories. Do it all here. Don't buy anything from outside the country. We can't get it there anyways. Can we all agree that this is something that does need to happen? The government wants to put the bill to make our infrastructure better and, like, safer. I know two or three things that we can, at best, with the amount of infrastructure we've got, maybe approach 18% of the problems that we have. Without, And that's over the course of 10 or 20 years. Right. It's an ongoing struggle that we need to be applying efforts towards at all times. And damn right, the power grid is one of the things, the water, the water we have needs yeah. to be those two things in particular. Uh, but uh, but uh, the other thing, like, oddly enough, in, in paying attention to this Taiwan thing lately, I've been seeing more and more and more. Our media is not talking about that. No. But what we are seeing, I'm seeing... Australia talking about it because we're about to give them the ability to have nuclear-powered submarines, and China's like, "No, don't do it." Yeah, don't. that that that's that's scaring them. But don't forget the fact that Australia a couple of years ago burned all their fucking guns. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that's they, never. Uh, they, you know, yeah. I mean, you you the Russians, the Chinese. Yeah, you guys should get rid of your guns. You guys should hate guns. You should get rid of your guns. And it's in the media every day because some psycho is out there doing something awful with these things and I'm like I'm thinking about bug out all the time because like I haven't thought about it in a couple of I thought about it last year and I don't have to get up and leave I just have to be able to go in case it's COVID and I gotta not interact with people and some idiot sets a fire in my apartment complex that starts burning down my place yeah I got a bag I got more than that and it's like, I, you know, can I get it all out in one fills, one trip down the stairs? I can't. Right. You know? But and it's the thing. Where am I going to go? You know, and that's it's all of that stuff. I think about that stuff. Now, but like, when it comes to uh, a, a fear state, uh, we're living in a fear state right now. And Tony and I have been like, I called Ed and said, "Give me everything that says fear state on the cover." And one of the books that did not say Fear State is actually directly tied to it, which is Arkham City Number 1. Um, oh, I gotcha. Okay. Beautifully illustrated. So, uh, th this, this is, is a segue this into is, talking this about is, Batman. This is a segue. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> Tony had some shit to deal with tonight, and his favorite is Batman, so I'm going to hold off on the latest issue gotcha. of Batman, which is one of the greatest action comics I've ever seen. Um, I, I read it twice. Like, I, I read it once, and then I immediately just reread it. Um, it was that goddamn good. The splash pages were gorgeous. It wasn't... It, everything little intricate was amazing. But Arkham City, after A-Day, after the Joker War, when Joker supposedly has this new gas that 
killed pretty much uh, three quarters of the people in Arkham Asylum, and there was a mass breakout. Um, Peacemaker one's running wild. Like we're, we'll get into that di- a different time, but like the Arkham City number one is. Um, let me pull up her name. Uh, this was probably my number three book of the week. Um, the Journal of Dr. Yocasta Joy. So, they're hunting all the strays that aren't the big bad bat baddies. Um, like Mad Hatter and uh, the Ten Finger Guy. Um, this, is, this is a ghost story. Uh, all these guys all are having recurring ideas, you know, uh, Professor Pig. Um, all of them are proclaiming when they catch them that they're even more psycho than when they, before 8A even happened, um, that they're being haunted by the ghost of Jeremiah Orkham. And they are actually legit mm. being haunted. And that's all I'm going to say on that one because, um... The, the story has so much more to it. Uh, Soul Plumber number one. This was the wackiest. The last time I read a comic this wacky and horrific in terms of being a horror comic book, not like it was horrifically bad. Uh, it was it was it was a scary book. Um, we've mm-hmm. got this bumfuck uh, redneck that flunks out of missionary school, not missionary school, uh, to be a priest or or. or a, whatever your demographic is that the, the guy that leads congregation is. He's working at a gas station and he's all about Jesus and God and he encounters a, uh, uh, a charlatan. Uh, we, he's, he's in a big van doesn't pay for his gas. It's all about how Jesus is uh, number one and he's going to help him. Like, come to our meeting and he, he shows them the, uh, the soul plumber machine that they have a guy who is screaming your your mother sucks blanks in hell and, and it's like what the hell is this it's, he's on stage it's 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 a tent congregation it's it's bullshit and uh this this machine focuses magnifying lens over this guy's chest and uh our uh sam kennison reaches in the, <laughs> through, through the portal and pulls out the evil entity out of him it reminded me of the uh last 30 minutes of uh, man on the moon uh, when he goes, uh, oh right, yeah, yeah, gimmick. yeah, and uh, pulls it out and throws it into this conveniently placed shredder, and the guy's magically cured. Well, uh, our uh, protagonist uh, has no money for this guy, and the, all the guys like, you mean you have no money? Well, here's some free pamphlets, and uh, that's all I can do for you because he's got no money. He's a fucking piece of shit charlatan, you know, one of those fucking tent congregationalists that, like, Joel Osteen, like, the guy needs a fucking bullet in the fucking head. Um, he's not what he says that he, he says he is, but uh, the plans for the uh, Soul Plumber 2 are stolen and reassembled with uh, parts that the guy doesn't know what they are, but they resemble what he thinks they should be. Just raids a bunch of junkyards and he kidnaps the local crackhead and uh, executes it on him. And we he pull he actually it looks like a portal reaches in and pulls a, a demon out of this guy's chest. And that was the end of issue one. And <laughs> when I say wacky, the the scratchy type artwork, um, I don't want to say more mixed media, but it was definitely like 
if I was looking at it, I would say it was like some like acrylics laid down in pencils and, and inks and uh, some watercolors as well as some digital. Um, mm-hmm. Last time I saw that, that fun was during Dark Rain uh, in the three or four issues of uh, the Zodiac. Remember that during Dark Rain? He had a black bag over his head and a, a, a chain and lock over his, over his neck, like a necklace and a suit. Black Rain? Dark Rain. Dark Rain. During Dark Rain. Zodiac. Scorpio. Zodiac. Yeah, I'm kind of... I'm kind of... I don't know if I'm spacing on it, but I'm definitely a little... No one has these. Like, I was... I I think one one out of a million marks on this one. But it was... (laughs) It it, it was a lot of fun, and I... Even if it's a four-issue series, I'm going to be happy. Um... Soul Plumber, Jesus! But Hellraiser, I got actually. Before we get Hellraiser, give me New Warriors because I need to like chill before we get into more crazy fucking horror. I'm gonna be real simple about this. This is a 1991 issue of New Warriors that I picked up because it has Emma Frost, the White Queen, on the cover, and uh, it's issue number ten. Uh, it's New Warriors. Um, if you haven't ever read that. I'm going to qualify this as, hey, we need another young, hot, hip team for the 90s. So, you know, you got Night Thrasher, Kid Nova, uh, Justice, who is Vance Astrovic, who you and I have a lot of uh, interest in. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Nita, who is a uh, who is one of um, the Submariner's relatives, so she's Atlantean. Uh, I, hate, I hate Atlanteans. We should have argued them. Atlantean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then freaking Speedball, for crying out loud. Uh, did I say Night Thrasher? Alright, so Speedball was one of the last like remaining people that ever survived out of New Warriors. Yeah, yeah, for no good reason. Uh, it's entertaining in that as soon as the as soon as the story opens, there is this, like, Hellions attack splash page, and the Hellions from the Massachusetts school that uh, uh, Emma Frost teaches how them teaches them how to be mutants, um, <laughs> they're attacking, like, I don't know, New Warriors headquarters or something like that, and our, and our Night Thrasher's already beat up, and he gets... You know, he gives them the best that he can, but he gets his ass kicked. And I gotta say, I'm not terribly familiar with the Hellions, but they have some of the doofiest, most insane power sets from for uh, for mutants I've ever it's seen. Pretty ridiculous. Uh, the ter- tarot, holy crap! Like sh- her power is to manifest. Entities pertaining to the images on tarot cards. Uh, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, that's a great power. There's some insane shit on tarot cards, but I guess it just depends on how goofy you want to get. Just what the hell is that? Then there's somebody else with like a like a probability disc or something. Like, oh, but you know, I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like somebody, they're just—it's a squad of people in costume. 
they, this is a Mark Bagley book, so I mean, like, the art is actually, this, the art in this kicks ass. Uh, this is really, really great Mark Bagley work. Um, and, uh, Emma Frost basically showing up ten issues after the fact. Apparently, in issue one, the New Warriors went in and, like, hacked her computer. And it's ten issues later, she showed up with her crew to F this crew up, to F the New Warriors up. But they're not all there. They're flying back, and they're all, like, relaxing after their latest battle or whatever. And Speedball, in his civilian clothes with his mullet, is... um, talking to his mom who is freaking out that he's a superhero and just a bunch of like oh geez mom moments it's super ridiculous and then when he powers on and turns on his costume it's the dumbest thing in the world like it's just it's so candy assed it's ridiculous this is the 90s I mean it was just like hey let's try this thing but I gotta say, this book is pretty much all freaking action. This is what? How many? What is this? Twenty-six pages? Thirty pages, essentially, of just balls to the wall action. Uh, because the Hellions are fighting the New Warriors, new, and they're they're really going after each other. Everybody has a character moment, and you get the opportunity to explore a little of the, bit of these insane powers. And uh, it's the White Queen being a bitch. Like, she's a bitch all the time, but, like, she's also not the bad guy, generally, Correct. every time. So I dig that this is a bad guy version of the White Queen in her super slut costume, uh, which is uh, <laughs> super still, slut. to this day, another thing that I'm like, I cannot believe that they got away with this with a Comics Code Authority approval. Like, it's on the cover. Anyway, whatever. It, it's, uh, I, you know, yeah, the New Warriors is something I've always wanted to explore because I'm fascinated with Man- Vance Astrovic, who is uh, Justice or Major Victory, if you happen to be reading Guardians of the Galaxy. Old so school. that is a fascinating paradox, and I've always liked that. Uh, so that's, that's part of the reason I pick this up, even though it's... Um, Got its moments. <laughs> Did it have any really cool like advertisements? Oh, it totally. Yeah, man, I love. Look, look at this Ninja Turtles ad for the console video game. Oh, awesome! For yeah, the, for on the, the back cover, the they're saying they've got, uh, they've got like a small version of the console video game that we saw in arcades and movie theaters and pizza places all throughout the 90s uh, and uh, it's being slimed by mutagen and smoking and because they're saying they're mutating it and it's like mutated into a video game cartridge for the Nintendo and there's a Pizza Hut tie-in coupon for free personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut inside every package (sighs) bastards back when we lived like dude I'm gonna go eat at a Pizza Hut soon because I wanna know like, why are people dissing on Pizza Hut so hard? How they, bad can it be? They need to, they need to find a couple of old Pizza Huts that used mm-hmm. to be Pizza Huts, and a couple yeah. of major towns, and yeah. redo it with the red cups, 
Oh, it's gorgeous. Wait yeah. to be se- uh-huh. wait to be seated. Salad salad bar. We've got the arcade games that you could uh, you know put your cup down on. Uh, get your uh, goddamn gourmet ass personal pan pizza in the the hot ass um, cast iron yeah, skillet. That's- a cast iron skillet yeah. that they came out with tongs and set it down yeah, yeah. on a burn-proof, like, that, that was I don't a, know, masonite or something. It was a gourmet-ass class food. You got a couple of get quarters. Pepsi-Cola. Get the refills. Go over in the corner and use the jukebox. There's three yeah. There's three memories of pizza that stick with me. Number one, uh, the Land Before Time hand puppets. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, those were gorgeous. Uh those go for money. Number two, mm-hmm. uh, getting my uh, we were in, we we're living in Edwards Air Force Base, California, and uh, going to a Pizza Hut and getting the Back to the Future Part Two sunglasses. Oh, sick! Um, with the same red cups, playing video games, getting that gourmet ass personal pan pizza. Um, and then number three, uh, no, actually four. I'm going to say there's going to be four. Uh, the third one was the Rocketeer, <laughs> the Rocketeer set. It, you you got a cool cup with a Rocketeer helmet on it and uh, a, a bunch of foldouts that would make a, a you punch it out and make a Rocketeer paper airplane. And mm-hmm. back again, the Red Cups video games, gourmet ass personal pan pizza. And then when you went in and got the X Men cup and you got an X-Men VHS of the of the series and the the, the playmat and everything. Yeah. Oh, that's badass. It was extremely Dude, badass. I I uh I was I've always been a giant like Star Wars and Star Trek micro machines person. Right. And uh, I still get them. I still buy them when I see them if they're if the price is right. And there were some Pizza Hut exclusive mini heads and you know you'd be like it'd be like Forlom or I don't know it'd be like one of the one of the Star Wars characters heads and it would open up and there was a little tiny mini figure of that guy in them and Pizza Hut had a tie in and those damn things are like 15 or 20 bucks or more now it's infuriating there's several that I don't have well they need to repurpose a bunch of former Pizza Huts and remake them into that yeah, I there'll think be a, you're right. There'll be a line around the corner. Arcade yeah. games, salad bar. Oh, salad bar with some sunflower seeds. Back to the, back to the, go back to the original recipe. Yeah. No, no new bullshit, no canned stuff. Do what you used to do back in the day, and uh, make it a cafe '80s like in Back to the Future too. It'd be hilarious. Like, like. Even, like, oddly enough, in Oklahoma, we used to have Ken's Pizza. You remember that? I moved there in 2001, man. I don't remember that shit at all. Okay, when I was, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. When I was a kid, uh, we had Ken's Pizza and Mazio's. The Mazio's franchise mm-hmm. bought it. And uh, they were like, hey, it's the anniversary of Ken's Pizza. And they were like, we'll just give this a shot. Whatever, we'll stick a bunch of buffet shit on a shingle pizza out there and see if people dig it and want it to come back. And uh, it kind of worked for a minute. You can still get Ken's Pizza now. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Whatever, man. Forget about it. Whatever. What else we got? Well, I wanted to do Hellraiser, but... Uh Uh-huh. I've been watching uh, my good buddy, Agent Grimm, 
Mm-hmm. Never met anyone that liked Hellraiser as much as me. Uh, him and I have been trading all our extra Hellraiser gimmick stuff that we own. Like, because I own it. I've got two or three. You deserve one. Like, he, he's hooking me up with a with a 12-inch pinhead um, uh, from NECA. And I got an extra set of trading cards for him and some Evil Ernie comics. And But uh, we were, we've constantly... Oh, by the way, today is... Well, actually, yesterday was Clyde Barker's uh, birthday. And, um, mm-hmm. just, uh, I've got most of the, uh, Hellraiser comics that started back in 2012 and maybe 2011, maybe 2011 and, um, till in 2011. But I got to read them. I, I, I was like, maybe they're on the Comixology app and they were all there. And I read the, the entire omnibus and the Clyde Barker pretty much gave him the gist of what to do. Mm-hmm. He did, he did scaffolding. But the idea of Pinhead renouncing his demonic status to try to trick Leviathan and like like he was gonna get to heaven and be human again, and incorporating Kirsty into it in terms of the fact that she is part of a um, faction of people that have been touched by all the the, the Marchand configurations. Every time you destroy one, unfortunately, they find out that... Because they've been trying to destroy them all, but every time you destroy one, another one reactivates, a dormant one reactivates. And their work is messy, and all of them have blood on their hands before they even join this faction. Um, mm-hmm. And she agrees to trade places with, with Pinhead. And the psychology around it, and the back and forth, is wonderful. The only thing I didn't like was when Pinhead, as a human back as Elliot Spencer opens a gateway to hell where he's unleashing like the damned <coughs> and he says you know we're, we're, we only have a little bit of time before we're spotted and then like an F-16 flies overhead and, like you know <laughs> um, that's when it kind of lost me but uh, I'm finishing up the rest of them but you know it's 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 Halloween yeah dude the, for real the artwork's great the execution's great <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the covers are gloriously painted the way that you would expect, like a, a Glenn Frabbery doing um, Hellraiser, written by Garth Ennis, um, with uh, Steve Dillon drawing it, or vice versa, a Preacher comic, Steve Dillon drawing it, Glenn Frabbery doing the cover, but it's Preacher. It's it's on the app. It's like I think the app Comixology costs like four dollars a month if you if mm-hmm. you're if you're a Prime subscriber. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I'm not advocating for Amazon, but the the cheapness of the app. If you're already a subscriber, it's 100 percent worth it. Uh, the girls, like I've I've read a lot of great indie books on this that I never got every issue of. But uh, that's all I got, man. Dude, yeah. It's a solid show. The load of content. Big giant load. What a load of content. Awesome, man, yeah. Take us out. Take us out. Ah, is it my turn? Yeah. Guys, send us an email. Colin and Josh at minefieldspodcast.com. Send us anything you like, anything you hate. We love any correspondence and uh this transmission is over and this is dangerous